Content warning. This episode of No Gods, No Monsters touches on potentially triggering topics, including substance use and sexual assault. He's telling me he'll never bake bread, plant crops, raise livestock. He's telling me he's futureless. have you had on this podcast this is the fourth third i think yeah but in my opinion this is the the fir- our first special guest <laughs> <laughs> i meant that in a positive way not any negative way someone could welcome to no gods no monsters we're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us i'm rabbit i'm charlie aka the salmon of knowledge and I'm Bardo. And today we are stoked to have a guest with us, Pinko. Welcome to the show. <gasps> Hi. <laughs> what was that sound? Angels. Surprise and uh, oh. happiness. Pinko, I always like to do a little bit of research on our guests, and I, from looking into stuff, found out that you're married to Barto. What's that like? Um, I mean, it's it's pretty good. Uh, he's really. Really nice. He's really nice to my dog, which I really like. Uh, takes her on a lot of walks. This is interesting. This is that's so sweet. Good yeah. at folding laundry. Extremely good at folding laundry. <laughs> oh yes, I knew it. We asked Bart the same question. Um, he gave very different answers. So <laughs> interesting. What? <laughs> we have, are you are you guys like inspired is this one of those things where it's like the friends like don't like the the girlfriend or the wife and they're trying to like get her ousted so they can have the guy friend's attention again no this is one of the things where charlie trolls all of our guests no matter what <laughs> i am I committed to be an agent of chaos that is what I do, unless it's within a movie theater. And you're a good boy. You are lawful good then, at all times. And then people are getting the wall. Wow. <laughs> no, Barto speaks extremely highly of you, like suspiciously highly of you, to the point where we can't help but also think very he's highly a, of he's you. He's a wife guy. That's just. He said if you were a worm, he'd still love you. <laughs> he told me he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> he said that he would move on with his life I that i wouldn't care because i would be a worm and i told him i would care and that worms <laughs> still have feelings and he said no they don't he told and us this man is a vegetarian <laughs> i didn't know that that's a, yeah that's a part one day one me. day he's he sat me down and he's like i've been reading this book about animal cognition and i think i have to stop eating meat and so we stopped eating meat Wow! A yeah, couple if episodes, you were a worm, he'd walk away. Yeah. Well, he said he would make he would put me in a jar with like leaves and stuff, and like make me very comfortable. But he in would also. Jar. I'd get a tank probably. Yeah. I think I'd get a tank. It's my wife. <laughs> couple of episodes. But you would ago. get a new wife, and I would have to sit there and watch you replace me. Maybe. And that wife would probably be a worm just to rub it in your face. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he would marry like a, a more exotic species of worm. One that would be like a big flat worm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something that came from a body. Ew. <laughs> A couple episodes ago, um, the cold open was, what is your biggest secret? And his was that he's been, um, uh, he's convinced his wife that he's a vegetarian. So, (laughs) and then he grabbed a hamburger from a bag and he took a big bite of it. Um, Why does he want me to cook all this tofu all the time? I don't know. I think he wants to convince you he's like a good person. We thought that was weird too. That was our first question. (laughs) He made me do it. He got me to start doing this. I I did not make you do anything. To be perfectly clear. Yeah, no, you didn't make me, but I wanted to support you. And then he laughed and said, and I make her make me uh, vegetarian (laughs) meals. Okay. Okay. Today we're talking about the 2002 <laughs> film, 28 Days Later. Uh, for, for folks who are who are watching along, next time we're going to be talking about the 1992 film Godzilla vs. Mothra. We're finally going back to the Heisei series. Um, before we get started, folks should know we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash nogodspod. Uh, thank you everybody who's supporting us there. And Captain Anarchy, thank you, our Salmon of, of Knowledge tier subscriber. We appreciate you. Um, check it cool out. You can sing. find... What did you say? So that's where all the cool kids hang. I mean, yes, there's only like five cool kids, but <laughs> damn, are they cool. I mean, it wouldn't be cool if it wasn't exclusive. Yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, for for a dollar a month, you can get everything we do, including bonus episodes, behind the scenes content. Check it out. Um, Charlie, do you want to you want to tell us what this movie's about? Yeah, first I, I also want to say um, there was a time in an episode where Barta said he he was like, of course I'd still love her. She's my <laughs> wife or something like that. And I was like, oh come on, no you would. And he was like, no I would. So um, I don't know why he told you the other. Uh, the opposite of that because that 100% happened <laughs> the only thing Charlie remembers from an episode that totally it, I mean maybe it was recording before the episode but that totally was a conversation we had. I mean I believe that I, I said both things I, it's I very possible that I said this I can, I can imagine saying this I can imagine I saying both things and, and feel <laughs> we definitely talked about worms because I knew your conversation about a worm ended up in a, an argument. Oh, I did bring that. Okay, this is starting real. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't lie. I don't know if I would love someone if they turned into a worm. It's difficult. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to my partner. I don't know. I just want you to know that if you turned into a worm, I would still love you. Well, this is a lot of pressure now. <laughs> Barto, I just want you to know, if you turn into a worm, I would stomp on you. Thank you. And I'd say, you got, you got juiced. (laughs) Typical dumb shit animal rights activists don't understand shit and end up freeing rage chimps. (laughs) Subsequently, the rage chimps infect and destroy old Blighty, officially earning this episode's coveted Praxis Award. Cut to 28 days later, Slim Jim wakes up in a hospital, dong out, ready to rock. He discovers a world he discovers a world of emptiness and desolation and wanders the street until he meets up with chemist Selena, who teaches him the ways of survival in a rage zombified world. The two then meet up with Daddy Frank and daughter Hannah, and the four bond as a family before Gleason rages out as a bad father and has to be killed. His father's status is then replaced by 
Major Henry, a leader of a squad of soldiers who want to use Hannah and Selena for breeding. Slim Jim then rages out, but this time in the good, pos- positive masculinity kind of way, and kills the, <laughs> and kills the army. <laughs> 28 days later, the three survivors get rescued by a plane and never have to deal with rage again. The end. It's 28 days later, baby! <laughs> So, Pinko and Barto, you two picked this film. One of you should start with your general thoughts and feelings, your your overall vibes on this on this flick. So, I wanted to do this movie because there's this really cool rant in the middle of it where the army guy's like talking about a zombie and he's like, he'll never bake bread. He'll never... I, I wrote it down. Anyway, it made me think of this inscription on this wall in ancient Samaria talking about how these like uncivilized nomads don't eat enough grain and I was like this is a this is an anti-civ movie Fuck yeah. Me. <laughs> hell yeah outside of like deep analysis what are your general thoughts do you like the movie not like the movie where are you at with it I like the movie and I was really sad when daddy Frank died um yeah totally wait should I say something I don't know what to say about this in, in a general sense I don't know how your podcast works I'm sorry you're fine you're doing great <laughs> I have liked this movie since it came out, like, and I thought, like, when it dropped, I'm like, oh, this is a movie about Anthrax or 9-11 or something, even though it was, like, filmed before that. It was just very apropos and um, have just been sort of a, like, there's something more to this movie kind of guy for the last 20-odd years or whatever, but... It was only this last watching that we were we were watching this where I'm like, oh, there's like something like much deeper going on in this movie uh, that was like very exciting to me. I think the acting's great. I think it's like strangely beautiful for like also looking very. Yeah. It, even though it, it like looks kind of shitty by the nature of how it was filmed. Um, it also I'm quoting someone on Letterboxd with this, but it looks important. Uh, impossible like the movie like those scenes those first scenes look impossible to me and just like based on my understanding of how it was filmed and all that and i just think it it's one wonderful wonderful cool movie more interesting than any of the other danny boyle stuff that i've watched hell yeah brant branson branson reese is how who you're yes, quoting branson thank you um charlie did you say before the episode that this is your first time seeing this movie is that true yeah, um, I was over at uh, our old roommate's house, um, Danny, not not the director of this movie. Um, <laughs> I was at, at her house Thank one you. time um, hanging out, and she put this on. I don't think we watched it. I think it was more kind of like on in the background, or maybe she only played a couple scenes. Like, I remember some of those London shots, but I don't think we actually like sat and watched the whole movie. Um so and this is your first legit watch. So this of it. is my first legit watch. Yeah, it's one I'd always kind of meant to get around to seeing. That's wild to me. I yeah. thought this was a movie everyone had seen in the world. Yeah, um, me too. Like everyone our age, I thought had, had watched I this mean, at maybe least once. Is it also true? This is your first zombie film, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that you don't watch many zombie films. Um, let me just say this movie. Takes very obvious and clear references to Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and those movies are both a million times better than this. A million? Um, I mean, I haven't clearly stated yet that I just was—I uh, did not like this movie. Um, 
I, I maybe it was expectations from all these years of hearing how amazing this movie was and you guys talking about how great it was. Maybe I wasn't in the best of moods. Um, the third time I watched it, I feel I liked it more than the other two times <laughs> I watched it. So maybe oh, stop doing that I'll yourself. Like you it more, it more eventually. Let me do it. Uh, well, we didn't talk about a research, but my second watch was um, with commentary with Alex Garland and Danny Boyle. Uh, okay. Um, so Sorry, I, guess I forgot to ask about that. Two legit watches, one of which I was taking notes during. But yeah, I, I don't understand why people find this scary. I think the zombies' movement is super stupid and unscary in a way that's cringe and takes you out of the movie. Um not not the fact that they're running, but the like the kind of like jerky movement is just so. Could you like it as a movie that isn't about it being scary though? Like if you, I think maybe that's why I like it is because I don't like. I mean, movie. I I it's very hard for me to actually be scared by a movie, um, but I still love what? horror movies. I'm so, Charlie, yes. I'm so brave. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> hey, everybody! This is Charlie's little space where he gets his little opinion, and then we it. go back and forth. Also, in my head, I've always heard that this movie was scary, and this is the reason why fast zombies are scarier than slow zombies. So I was kind of like building up in my head, like, oh, this movie is going to be scary. And then I was just like, mm. oh, sh- shit, no. Um, so I, I think I think that's maybe like an artificial reason that maybe I dislike this movie more than I should, I guess, if I had watched without any kind of preconceived notions. Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm... I don't want to be too negative because I know all you guys love this movie and I don't want to. Charlie, your your view on this movie can't affect me. You're good. Yeah. Dude, hate it. Hate yeah, it all I know, you want. I don't want to feel like Charlie's I'm like, opinions aren't real and they can't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be murdered by an abstraction. Um, <laughs> Charlie, did you have any other final thoughts before we go into outside of general thoughts? I mean, come on. You're you're like a 80 year old man. Go by Daniel or Dan. Don't go by Danny. <laughs> <laughs> very good point <laughs> i always get oh danny boy in my head when i think anyway chumbawamba uh, oh, okay, i thought you just meant the old irish <laughs> song um okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go i saw this movie in theaters and i thought it was great uh i don't think i ever thought it was scary i think it's politically taught but i don't really think it's very scary I don't, yeah, I guess I never, I guess it's a horror movie. It makes sense that it's a horror movie, but I think of it as like a very different than that. I think when I first watched it, I used to think the second half was weaker. And now I think the second half, I think that because it's the, like, uh, the patriarchy is, and the military are so much more disturbing than zombies. Um, and I just don't like watching it, but that's on purpose. Um, so yeah, I, I fucking love this movie. I had, like, told these guys that I was saving this movie because I wanted to use it to explain Deleuze and Guattari's concept of a nomadic war machine and the apparatus of capture, and then I realized that that's too much. You can't do that. Uh, but I'm going to do that a little bit. I'm so sorry. But uh, maybe just a tiny bit, and then maybe Barto and I will geek out on that a different way, some other way on, a, on the Patreon, so you all don't have to hear it. But yeah, I think this movie fucking rules. I'm super excited to talk about it. And every time I watch it, I feel like I come out of it being like, this is a perfect movie. And then like slowly time goes by, and I'm like, it was okay. And then I watch it again. I'm like, this was a perfect movie. I so think, I'm glad yeah. you all picked it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's about a perfect movie for me. Like I was the same way as you that last, I was always like, the first two acts are pretty good, but the third acts a little weak, but it 
it's all there. It's all there in the the third act. That's that's everything, and it's yeah. That's it's the perfect. point of it. It's yeah. perfect. Hell yeah! But I respect your opinion, Charlie. Go against the herd. Yeah, drag me. I will always go against the fucking dummies of the world. Um, <laughs> and that's gonna, why we love you. I'm going to put on Day of the Dead, which <laughs> right now. Yes, he's got. He's got I'm, his. I thought like, that's why we had a guest on to cover for me while I watched Day of the Dead. <laughs> He's got his uh, Apple glasses things on, so he's podcasting in one eye. Mm-hmm. He's got Day of the Dead going on the other one, and just watching those videos of people using it gives me like an immense amount of anxiety. Me too. I cannot imagine actually. Doing that in like shit. ten years, there are going to be children in my classroom with those things okay. on their faces, yeah. and I'm be like, "You I have to take that it. off during class because they already won't take their headphones out or put their phones away." Don't put their headphones out. Like, what are we doing? And I'm like, "Take your headphones out while I'm giving you instructions." Let me get you an Apple Glass or whatever the fuck they're called, Charlie. Merry Christmas. Uh, oh yeah, but you have to wear it in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Well, uh, most importantly, I just said a couple minutes ago that Danny Boy was an Irish song. It's actually a British song. So please you. edit that out. Please don't make me look the fool. Please. Yeah. yeah. with this movie, which is all about how we really should quarantine. Great I, is that where we want to start? Or where we could start right off the bat going into the Mesopotamia stuff? Or we could like build up to it and talk about some other stuff? Where do you all want to start? There. Let's start. Yeah, right. yeah, I would like to get there. Okay. Uh, I mean, so I think it's, like, decent to, like, from the very first shot, think of this as, like, framing this as critique of civilization. You know, like, what they're, sort of how I read them, they have the the fucking chimp strapped down, and it's, like, all shimmery. It's, like, it's beautiful and horrifying. And how did they use a real chimp for that? How did that mystifies me? Oh, true. Yeah, this was after all the stuff. Maybe England doesn't care. No. Maybe. Um, this was before they had the laws in place. No. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, um, I thought that was really like a long time ago. Trying to think. The commentary is talking about how there's like two different companies that did it, and now there's like a lot more legislation in place or something that where you can't do it. I, something like that. I, I don't remember. But, but yes, they could still do it. I think it was an American-based company, too. Hmm. Interesting. Wild. Well, my thought was they're like civilizing the chip i mean it almost you know you could like go to look at it's like what they were doing to uh alex in a clockwork orange you know like by making it afraid well by making they they had different aims with their uh, ultra violence videos or whatever but you know like that that was sort of i don't know what what did you guys i don't get what they're trying to do because they're only showing it videos of riots and civil civil disruption like so i don't understand how they're trying to symbolize it same yeah i i have a different take on that but i'm curious to hear yours and jump I, to I, I guess i mean like within the context of the film or the message of the film as a whole this only works retrospectively or retroactively rather is civilization is this certain kind of violence which is what we're seeing on those screens like outbursts of civilizational violence Right or no? Uh, I I kind of I would think I think almost the opposite. What we're seeing okay. is responses to civilizational violence. What we're seeing is the people's like uh, being through with and wanting to uh, fight against the the like oppressive forces. That's why it's all riot footage and uprisings. Okay, so, but they're making the chimp feel 
anger and rage yes. looking at that like is it yes. supposed to feel anger toward the people who are resisting the civilization probably probably okay. in which case or it is kind is of it civilizing like there i also just feel like in the language of like film from this era the newsreel of bad stuff in the world happening yes. is just going to be a bunch of like people are throwing things and rioting but because the, but yes. then later on in the video or in the in the in the film in the movie um like the first like weapon against the big bad that you see is a molotov which i think yeah, is pretty cool totally yeah yeah i definitely thought of it as as like the tv screens were partially supposed to represent like our daily news feed um like our being inundated with like having to think outside of ourselves at the violence going on in the world they're the same like kind of things that you see in like children of men too like in when they're looking at like the news it's just like people like freaking out in the street and stuff and yeah, in like the hunger games like it's what you see in a dystopian movie when there's a newsreel it's people writing totally. i believe he said all that footage was stage recorded for the movie oh um, wow um Looked great were, th That's was there, were there any deaths in that footage yes I, I there was hung people i'm not sure we said only that the parts of with death were staged or if all that was staged i can't I would be surprised if it was all staged because of their budget. Like that was some fucking gnarly amounts of people. Yeah, I I can see not wanting to use actual footage of actual people dying and yeah. deciding to like stage those because that would really suck if you were like totally. watching a movie and there's there's your uncle like being hanged. I appreciate the the sensitivity for you know yeah. respect for the dead and doing that. I do feel like they're definitely trying to draw a parallel between the chimp and our situation with the first shot of Killian Murphy, right? Like he's laying prone, naked, on his back, in the bed, with his hands hooked to uh, like wires and things, which I think is supposed to be a direct parallel to the way the chimp is prone on the table. Do right, definitely. They should have yeah. had a bunch of uh, phone screens and have Google glasses on him to show it. <laughs> That he's more advanced than the chimp, but he's still getting the same, the same uh, rage-inducing visuals. Do you think it's showing him as uncivilized in some way? Like in that, well, like he's unshaven and he's naked, and in like, I mean, the things that I'm like thinking of as my sources, my references, those are both like signifiers of like the untamed wild person. And he has that like oogle train hopper haircut because he got the yeah. head surgery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if, there's a couple uh, guys with some weird haircuts in this movie. If being untamed means um killing Murphy's naked, I'd say let's fucking get rid of civilization. <laughs> Can I hear <laughs> hell yeah? Hell I mean, yeah, brother. That was my Freudian Maybe Killian Murphy said, just man, really right? wanted to be naked. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, he might he might have been. Uh <laughs> So yeah, I I had one of my big questions is like because that that beginning is so tight, like there's so much it's bursting at the seams, and I do wonder like when they say they're giving the them rage, it, like how I guess this kind of leads to what is the infection, right? Like what is this? What is it exactly? But like I don't know how much of it is the thing they're giving them, and how much of it is the thing that they're putting them through, af like the chips through after they give them the thing. Like, right. is the drug like why do they need the riot footage if they're injecting them with rage? You know what I mean? Right. So maybe that the drug just um, lets loose the rage that they already have within them, 
And sure. so the footage itself is to help build the rage up within that chimp. But if it's going into humans, they already have all this built up. Were they just testing rage. out the rage response world. with the videos? Also, why were mm. they leaving the chimps just like unsupervised with the rage things going while they're strapped down? <laughs> When we were watching this, I'm like, are they trying to say, because at first I'm like, they're trying to say like the, the eco-terrorists are the real bad guys. Like every movie ever is like, oh, the guys who are yeah. letting animals out of cages are obviously like misguided and stupid. Correct. But then I'm like, why is this lab? <laughs> first of all, we've got like unsupervised tests happening. Not good. Um, why is it so easy for them to break in here? Why, why are you doing science only, in the dark? Why is there only like security, a scientist who comes out in a lab coat to be like, please don't free the chimps? Well, yeah. and like when the when they talk to the scientist and the girl gets bit and the scientist says you have to kill her. And it's like, what are you talking about? You have a bunch of animals that were have bit in them and you didn't say we have to kill them. You're willing to put them in like it's it's very I think I agree that the movie to the like kind of feels like it's blaming the ALF for being stupid but i think the animal like obviously if you think about it it's their fault for doing the tests right it's mm -hmm. their fault for having created this situation but also yeah. just like the and, whole like, way they handle it, like yeah yeah if, this, if this you're going to tell them to kill their friend and you they don't even know what's going on yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i mean this would be like a super lockdown facility with like tons of security but I mean, you know we, we only see one nerdy ass scientist without a weapon. It occurs to me that there's probably a lot of stuff going on like this that's a little shaky, you know. And it's so, I mean, some I know, private company. It's not even a government. It's right. it's like something that Elon I mean, Musk started. I mean, this all made me think of this is a startup. I mean, yeah, it, it just made me think of <laughs> it made me think of companies doing um tests on uh things that uh on viruses like the wuhan virus that then get out in the wild um, um okay but... we're just doing some conspiracy i have a really good yes. friend who's gonna be mad at me for participating in this podcast this direction we're going. no um, where we're I, going i want to say like okay i've read a lot of books on the animal liberation front and they're like break-ins and stuff and there's a reason that labs that held primates were a big target in the 80s and 90s and there hasn't been an animal liberation front a freeing of an animal in a lab like that in like 25 years or something and it's because you can't get into that shit anymore like it's not possible or it's way more difficult but like the so yeah i think it would be very difficult for them even in 2002 although that was like i don't know there were some right before that i think but i gotta say one thing that like the hollywoodizing of the fact that they take their fucking ski oh masks God, right off away! as soon as they enter the room is so frustrating like Wait, come on, people, why were you wearing them so, sorry I, I didn't hear what, what did you say he he takes out they they take off their ski masks which is just not uh. good security culture yeah. Yeah, we're finally in here where we're going to do the crimes. Totally. <laughs> take the mask off. Also, false flag operation. That's why. That there's like the loud man leader of the group, like the patriot, but also. Oh, he's a manarchist, like whatever. Yeah, it's also very, very, like, makes sense. It's not surprising. They didn't get oh. that wrong necessarily, is what I'm trying to say. And then he wouldn't kill the lady at the end because he was too chivalrous. Um, yeah, I did. You're right chivalry is what that was <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say uh is the virus something like i don't know like what, I, 
like not like materially necessarily, but like, you know, I, I sort of That is called into question in the film. In in what respect? When Farrell is telling Jim that like this is not really this is all bullshit. Like or he's saying it's a virus, but it's not infecting the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but like he kind I of mean... is like questioning like the logic of, of everything that's but, been told to them. But I, guess I guess I mean like, you know, I thought about that tweet where like it's an angel to God being like, What did you do to that monkey? You gave it anxiety, you know, and and sort of like, what did they do to these chimps, you know? Imagine an ape so smart it hates itself. (laughs) Right. It's my favorite tweet. I can never find it anymore. Are you asking what the virus is, like, biologically, or are you asking thematically in the film? Thematically. Okay, I have a take. Yeah, please. I think that they set it up where basically, it's not, like, perfect, but it's basically anti-civilization, anti-government, anti-oppressive sentiment. And part of that plays out in the fact that they're tying it through so many signifiers to the riot stuff, right? You have the riot footage that leads to the breakout, which they describe as kind of a riot. But part of it, I think, and we can dive into, there's a lot of it, but part of it, I think, where they really put the pin in it is, um, or like dot the I, is toward the end when Farrell, who is like the one soldier who's like standing up against their patriarchal shit. And by the way, is named Farrell. <laughs> yes, yeah. and is named Farrell. Uh, exactly. Um, when, as in Colin Farrell, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as in Farrell Futures or whatever. Uh, he and Jim are being taken out to be executed because of their right anti-patriarchal, anti-state beliefs. And they call that execution quarantining, right? They say we're going to get quarantined oh. and because there's I, no difference. That's a good point. I and then also there's like a few shots that are very like, look at how nature is healing throughout. So is are we supposed to understand that the virus is like the good guy in this film? In a way. I, I think it's that was kind pretty of hard. Position. I think it's I don't think it's that simple, but I do think in the second half of the film you only see zombies as good guys. There is not a single part yeah. where the infected are doing something against the people we're supposed to like. Um, in the second oh. half of the film, even the part where um, where Frank gets infected, it's it's like accidental. And in fact, yeah. it's because he's yelling at an animal for doing a thing that animals do. Good point. Yeah. But I, I kind of took the halfway point as right after that. Like, right after that is when it switches. And a then from then on, you only see zombies as victims or helping Jim and the crew. A murder of crows. I thought when they were talking about quarantining, when Farrell's talking about quarantine, I thought he was talking about how um, Britain was quarantined. No, he does do that. But then they say, when they, like, get up, he says, like, oh, they quarantined us. He's talking about how... The, the island of the UK is being quarantined um, with the virus. He then, when they he realizes they're being brought out to be shot in the head, he says like, oh, quarantine, I see. Oh, like he means, okay. yeah. yeah, he does both. I was also confused by that because earlier they talked about how there were reports of right? the virus in Paris and London, or Paris and uh, New York City. Right, that Cheryl is confusing. saying that those were lies. Right. But like I don't know, people- I- that's my, like, obviously it's not, and I like that it's not as simple as virus, good, virus, anti-state. But I do think there's a lot to that. Like, I do think a lot of the ending is showing that Jim has to become like an infected in order to fight the state. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, 
Let's swing back to that. Let's yeah. Let's go back to that later. I, I just want to throw out really quick uh, before we move on that yeah they talk about how in the beginning the prologue they just kind of like wanted to get in and out really quick and just set up as fast as they could and just move on to the rest yeah. of the story. Yeah. So um, which they tight did. Movie. Yeah, they one hundred percent did. That first scene or of of Jim walking around London and nothing's there is. In, and part of it is just that Godspeed, You Black Emperor, is a really good band, um, but is just like very affecting to me every single time. I get all welled up. I feel a whole bunch of things. And I think about when um, Mado was in Chicago. At one point, I got separated with this group. And whatever the case, basically all of downtown Chicago was abandoned uh, for Nato to be in town and... Just walking down the streets of Chicago, I was struck by how similar of a, a vibe it was to this this mm. scene. And twenty eight days later, I, I've just never, I've never experienced a major city like that before. But it was really uh, very strange. But yeah, I was aware of the circumstances that led to that. I can't really imagine Jim's circumstances. <laughs> Yeah. Have have you all seen The Walking Dead? No. I hate that show so much. Sure. Um, Not all of it, but like five. I watched I, so many seasons of it and then I recognized the pattern oh. pretty quickly, which is that like they get to a place and it's like, oh, we're gonna rebuild and it's gonna be great. And then somebody comes along and is like, I'm gonna be in charge of everything. And then a bunch of zombies yeah. get in and they just do this over and over yeah. and over again. I'm like, like you can't watch real. the same thing happen again. I will say the last couple seasons actually get better and get more like anarchisty and that stops happening, but it's a bad show, totally. But I just wanted to say that I think it's kind of interesting that in order to do like like in modern zombie things that two of the biggest ones start with the main character being in a coma and waking up inside like where it's already happening that's what happens in the walking dead too and that he doesn't know what's going on it has to figure it out and i do think it's a pretty easy quick and success like it works to have us not like that's what's happening to us, right? We're waking up in the zombie movie. But it is interesting how much of a rip off of it. Like, it's exactly the same fucking thing. I, I think it makes sense because it's like a way of like explaining why they survived. And yeah. then also like having the the mystery of it, like as it's unfolding and like yes. we're learning as we go with through this person's eyes instead of it just being like we're starting from the beginning and there's no like mystery to this at all. But yeah, you're right. Like they could find a different have them have been in a bunker. Well, I don't totally. know. They it served, but it does work. They just came back. Yeah, it does it, work. Though. It served the opposite problem to like every single movie. Because this is like actually almost like the post-revolutionary, scare quotes, uh, post-revolutionary movie uh, in the way that like there's that there's that Zizek quote where he's like, I would sell my mother into slavery for a V for Vendetta 2, you know, for like or what happened. a movie about the day after that yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, You're like right. what happens after, you know, what does that actually look like? And this totally. is actually that. But this is that. Yeah, this is, I mean, sort of, you know. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that is a big theme of it is like, like throughout, they are, you know, having the power of friendship uh, come in and give them a reason to live. And we're seeing what, sure. you know, what's really, yeah. what's really matters is like love and dad. And I love, uh, there's a lot of like really cute, little family things that I've noticed or that I noticed and they're like um Frank watching over them while they're sleeping is very cute and like they're all kind of like cuddled the three of 
little girl and Jim and Selena are like cuddled together like they're little kids in bed. But then like the next morning they all get into the car and all of them go into the back seat except for Frank. Oh, <laughs> Even though the whole rest of the movie they've all been one of them has been shotgun and I just like thought it was so cute that like Jim runs and like hops in the back seat with the other two like he's like their brother. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but um, yeah, I've, so that's very like I know that's that is you're right, Bardo. It's there. What is the rebuilding? It's finding a new way to have family and community. Yes, totally. I want to jump to uh to back to just the wandering the streets a little bit. Um, I like that they right away did big landmarks. Right, like you have you have like first of all like the 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 payphones aren't working. Um, and then you have these like big. Like you have Big Ben and that huge Ferris wheel. I forget what it's called. And it the London me, Eye. The London Eye. Whoa! It makes me think of what you were just saying, Pinko, about like what what's important, right? And these are things that we think are just naturally important. But like London without Londoners is nothing. Like who cares about Big Ben? Who cares about and even like the infrastructure, the payphones? None of it matters if you don't have the social. So full disclosure, I was a huge dork in high school, and I was in marching band, and we went to London, and I've been in all of those places there like we were in like Trafalgar Square and all that and it was just fucking packed the whole time no matter what time of day it was like and yeah. it was winter when we were there like it was not pleasant outside I don't I don't get how they did it it's very Danny Boyle's persuasive yeah. like I feel like they have to just like ask people nicely Maybe British people are like really polite or something isn't that like a thing about them like the well, you just like go in with like a vest and you just say like hey like we're over here they'll be like oh sure sorry sorry you're talking know, about how, how they got London streets empty. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, because apparently they, they didn't they... get any permits or anything for it. Yeah, I mean they I just got... they just talked to like the people. I'm just in going charge off what Bardo and... said, so if I'm wrong here, that's his fault. I think they just asked the people in charge, and they're like, "Yeah, we who's in you, charge like... of Trafalgar Square?" That's like asking who's in charge of like Times Square. I think like the cops just like uh, put a barrier for like 15 minutes or something. Well, they got the shots really quick. Cool. Um, that sounds uh, right. But uh, yeah, they they talked about how how also they were super lucky that it was before um, 9-11 because you probably wouldn't be able to do it after right. 9-11. Mm, um, right. Yeah, and then later when they're driving down the roadway and there's no cars around, they said that basically um, the cops, like, they drove up, drove in all the lanes behind them, but they were going, wait, yeah, but they were going super, super slow. Um, so they they had, like, 10 minutes or so to like drive along this street before like the cops would catch up and all the traffic behind the cops would catch up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just like coordinating with police who are willing to help them out. And yeah, because it was before 9-11, it's a lot easier to do. What an age. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we, we can go in order. We can talk about I, him going to the church or we can jump to something else. I, I want to go to the church, but I got, can I ask real quick? So at the very end, uh, or, uh, right before he goes into the church, there's a zoom in on a picture of a child. Is that the child from that he kills later? Oh, I didn't think so. No, but maybe you're right. They didn't mention that in the commentary, but I didn't. did anyone else catch that that child said "I hate you" to him? Yeah, Wait, I what? I, that's horrible. Um, they're sentient zombies. There was something else in there. I can't remember what it was that made me think the zombies are sentient, but they're not zombies because they they're just very very angry. But they well, still wait, have wait. their brains but, intact. But, but that's swing a mistake. That, which is a more horrifying zombie, in my opinion. I mean, that that I hate you is a mistake uh, that they regret. Oh, um, interesting. I thought that made it so much scarier to me because a zombie so that stupid. killing killing a zombie that you are positive no longer is like 
has the mind of the person you love is way less awful to me than killing the person you love who is in pain. And and I, I had this like really bad dream after watching um what's the last of us. I don't this is really weird, but I had this really bad dream where I was imagining that movie from the perspective of a zombified person. <laughs> You're like just your body is making you like eat your family. And I was like, I don't know. But then, I, then my comfort for that was, well, the, they have no idea what's happening anyway. But in this movie, that zombie it's like, is aware um, of what it's doing. It is still that person. It's just a, that, it's like if you had rabies or something. What's the book uh, uh, that got turned into the terrible Will Smith movie about zombie? Or it's about vampires. I am legend. I am legend. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if y'all know that. I don't know if y'all know this. The, here's spoilers for the ending of the book, which is actually a very good book. But like the whole ending is him realizing wait, this is, just, this is just a different type of person that I'm slaughtering. I'm the bad guy now. And he just walks yeah. off to get killed by them. And it's fucking amazing as an ending because it is realizing like, wait, why am I just privileging myself over this other species? It's fucking gnarly. Um, but the um, movie's horrible. Okay, wait, uh, what was the... the oh, the, I, I hate you. That's what you're talking about. So that was a mistake, but it's in there. So it's there. I, I think it's... They said it's, it's basically supposed to be like a bunch of garbled dialogue and you're not supposed to be able to make out anything but the i hate you is just super clear and they always mm, like no. regretted that something like that <laughs> okay um, but but yeah when i was watching it at first i was when the, that i hate you came through and maybe it was more clear to me because i i have subtitles on yeah it's subtitled oh, that, and i was just okay. like what the f i i thought <laughs> That I had the sucks. exact opposite reaction of you, where I was just I hated it. <laughs> I've never noticed. Yeah. That. I've watched this movie so many times. But maybe it was a maybe it was just a sociopathic kid, and it wasn't even a, a zombie. Yeah, maybe he just <laughs> like killed a kid. Reading. Yeah, <laughs> that kid just wanted a hamburger. Hey, maybe he had weird eyes. Yeah, he made jaundice. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably it jaundice. Yeah, it happens. Um, Does not make your eyes turn red. Before we go into the church, uh, a, a few interesting tidbits from the commentary. I'm sorry. Panko doesn't know anything about jaundice, um, but um, <laughs> we're all experts on jaundice here. <laughs> you all have liver problems. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, I mean liver and yes. kidney, baby. <laughs> Cheers. I'm so sorry. So there's a shot when he's on the London streets, and it, like there's like a bunch of money going around or whatever on the ground, right? Something yeah. like that. Um, so that was, I guess, was based on a photo from uh, Cambodia. Um, Around, I think he said, like, right after Pol Pot was taken down, um, where, uh, yeah, basically money was worthless in Cambodia, and there's there's some photograph of a bunch of money going around on the ground. So uh, that was based mm. on that. And then the um, cool. the central square where they have all the pictures put up and, like, the where are you, that was based on an earthquake in China, um, uh, okay. where after there's some huge earthquake in China, they had a... Uh, the town square or whatever something like that um but yeah very interesting and people yeah uh, and people have compared that to 9 9 11 too i guess stuff like that yeah. was came up after now so once again very um it, it seemed crazy this that movie. this was a pre 9 11 movie to me yeah but they knew it was gonna happen yeah <gasps> danny boyle was in on it did you see one of the flyers he picks up it says i will make your grave for you damn <laughs> I thought that was – it went pretty hard, but it also fits very well into my thesis of this about these damn uncivilized nomads who don't bury their dead. <laughs> oh, damn. interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I liked tying – I mean, look, I know he's wandering. He doesn't know exactly what happens, and then he sees the newspaper, and he knows what happens, so it gets way more intense. But I do think, like, 
when he sees the newspaper that's like evacuation, it's reading it. He's reading everything. That's when the music swells. And it kind of ties to me with the like news feed fucking you up like the 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 tv screens and all that shit it's like suddenly the music gets so intense and it's not the actual reality in front of him that's causing that it's the like feed of violence from farther out which is what the news feed is right yeah absolutely and so he's like i gotta go to a church because that's that's how you get away from this shit right I think it, it's it's just so nice to me that it's right away trying to show you, like, look, Big Ben without people is nothing. This, like, London without people is not the same thing. And then a church is just a building. A dude in a robe is just a dude in a – like, it's just a robe. Like, it's like kind of commodity fetishism laid bare, right? Like, all the all the symbols are just symbols now. Yeah, maybe one of the problems in the movie with me is uh, I, that, that all seems preferable to me. Well, so I mean, much... the movie kind of also thinks that that's preferable. It's it, in the end, they're like, "Hey, you know what's cool is like, the, look at these horses running around. They're all free and they're happy." Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know why, why that's a problem. Hours to drive to Manchester, I would think that the traffic would get better. But anyway, I'm just saying, I have so much anxiety from crowds and people, <laughs> and I often don't go out because of my anxiety of uh, my social anxiety. So I'm like. Oh man, I would love to go to London and nobody's around. <laughs> and just just remember us arguing that this is an anti-civ film is arguing that that is better. Yeah. Oh, well they uh, yeah. they their premise is that um hell is uh no other people. And the the authors don't I mean, know that's what they're writing. Literally what yeah. both of them say. <laughs> yeah. No, Garland they don't doesn't know, know what like, he's it talking about. It doesn't matter what they think they're saying. I mean, that's literally don't... what they say in the commentary. Yeah, but that... yeah, Garland's a big dummy, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like like, and I'm not trying to put us on a pedestal, but he doesn't know a much as much about how the world works as a lot of people watching the movie. So they are going to come to better conclusions about the same footage than even the person making it. This bums me out because now, well, it doesn't bum me out because I, I agree that we're smarter. But like, I have like, I have like, I read things. I have sources to go with my <laughs> thing. And I'm thinking that he probably didn't read the things that I read. And I was under the impression that like, maybe he did. Like I had that it's as, as like, part of my like, maybe- uh, my maybe, head cannon is that he and I are on the same wavelength. Maybe you in the commentary, be. that's what Danny Boyle said, and Alice Thank Garland you. just didn't feel like disagreeing with him. Keep in, keep in mind, Danny Boyle made it. like a bunch of shitty movies, and compared to him, Alex Garland clearly has better politics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on his movies, I, very clearly. I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know. I do not pay attention to the names of people who get involved in making movies. So I got Killian I mean, Murphy because I saw his naked body. And that other than that, I don't know who anybody is. That you're talking about. I mean, Danny Boyle made like, uh, what that millionaire movie? What is it? Slumdog uh, Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, train spotting. But Alex Garland made like Ex Machina, Annihilation. Oh, I love Annihilation. And Ex Machina is okay. He did Men, which is supposed to be pretty bad. And apparently... It seems like his movies are going downhill every yeah, time from his Ex next Machina. movie supposedly looks really stupid. I didn't watch the trailer for it, but it's like a civil war civil in the war. US or something that just looks kind of very um doesn't know politics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay. We were talking about the church, but we can go wherever we want. Where do we want to go? Other than knowing that this movie is obviously anarchist because they played Godspeed. Can um, I read you the, the can I tell you my stupid history take? Uh, I don't, a stupid history take. Give me a smart history take. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is this is a podcast for smart people. So if you have a stupid Wait. history take, you can throw that out the window. Wait, but I'm going out of sequence of the the film. Are we just? Going no, it doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. So there is the scene where the what is the name of the? They call him the OC, but I don't know what his like name is. Orange County. 
No, the uh, like Charlie knew it or something like that. Who? The like guy who's in charge of the the guy who's in charge of the soldiers. Yeah, Major Henry. Um, oh, W. Which, which by yeah, the I way, just think of him as OC. Uh, two Christopher Eccleston movies in a row. I, I don't know if that was deliberate on your behalf, but. I don't know I how know. British military command structure works um, or American military command structure, to be honest. Whatever. The the guy, the the main antagonist who is yep. not a zombie or. OK, so there's a scene where he's got he's got the dude, it, the zombie guy in chains, which Mailer. Yeah, he's got Mailer in chains and he's explaining to Jim. He's like telling him why he has the zombie in chains. They're waiting for him to starve to death to see how long it takes for a zombie to starve to death. And he says that he's hoping that he'll tell them something. And Jim's like, has he told you anything? And he's like, yes, he's telling me he'll never bake bread. He'll never farm crops or raise livestock. He's telling me he's futureless. And that, that rant always makes me think of, um, there is a an inscription from ancient Mesopotamia referring to a group of people that they called the Amorites, who were this, it was kind of like a catch-all term for just like the nomadic people that lived around the Mesopotamian civilizations. Okay. Um, but they built this hundred mile long wall to try to keep them out. But they, it's not a wall that like encircles uh, Babylon. It's, or, like, I think it was Babylon. I forget. Anyway, they built this hundred mile long wall. It's just a straight wall. So they, the Amorites were just like, well, we're just going to walk around your wall. Like, very, but, dumb. <laughs> very dumb. But they found an inscription about it and it says, the Amorite, he is dressed in sheep's skins. He lives in tents in wind and rain. He doesn't offer sacrifices. Armed vagabond in the steppe. He digs up truffles and is restless. He eats raw meat, lives his life without a home. And when he dies, he is not buried according to proper rituals. There's another version of that that I've found but I'm, is from a more dubious source, which references that he doesn't eat grain because Mesopotamians were very about the fact that they ate grain. They're like, sure. we farm, we're fucking great. But uh, so the Amorites who know no grain, no house nor town, the boars of the mountains, the Amorite who digs up truffles, does not bend his knees to cultivate the land, who eats raw meat, who has no house during his lifetime, who is not buried after his death. Anyway, that whole rant to me that the guy, the commander makes sounds like that inscription so much to me. Mm -hmm. And he's basically saying like this dude is not civilized. He has no future because he's not a real person because he doesn't do civilizing things. And it just really was interesting to me that he specifically went to like farming crops and baking bread are the Ooh. things that like yeah. would give him a future. Okay, so I have this weird fixation on ancient Mesopotamia because I'm a history teacher, I think. Um, but from that I was also thinking about when I teach my students about Mesopotamia, we talk about the Epic of Gilgamesh. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, but I really like the Epic of Gilgamesh because it's a story about how civilization is so great. And Uruk, the like first like city, basically were so wonderful that they got all of these uncivilized peoples who just want to join them, which no, they didn't. They were like fucking forced to. But like Gilgamesh is a king and his best friend is Enkidu, who is a wild man. And the way Enkidu becomes friends with Gilgamesh is the gods are like, we needed to real... Gilgamesh in because he's like too crazy, too strong, and he's uh, demanding that all of the brides in the kingdom have to sleep with him on their wedding night, which is like mm -hmm. a bridge too far. Um, so, which so what they do is they send um, this woman named Shamhat, who is a holy prostitute. And I know that's not a nice word, but they call her a harlot in the story. Uh, but she's from the temple of Ishtar, and she goes and she 
basically fucks Enkidu for six days and seven nights. I don't know why six days and seven nights. It's a weird time frame. Um, <laughs> and that makes him realize that, like, oh, shit, I should go live in civilization. And then he goes to civilization. And he, like, shaves, I think. Like, he's, like, completely hairy and, like, a beast. And he, like, shaves. And he goes. And they, they also give him beer and bread. <laughs> and then he's, like, hell yeah. And he goes to civilization. He becomes best friends with Gilgamesh. And then they go out and they kill the king of the wilderness which is just this big monster they like kill him together and all of Enkidu's like animal friends are like fuck you we're not friends with you anymore why would you do that and Enkidu is now just fully civilized and I just find it so like thematically in line with this movie where we have like women are the future we need to have women uh the first thing that they're offered when they get to the the like manor house that they go to is like hot water like just like a little taste of something civilization-y you know which they literally say a wood-fired bro- a broiler providing us with hot water the first step towards civilization they do yep. yeah yes and i it's just like everything about it like to me it just feels very like they're attracting enkidu into their civilizing world and then we're gonna find out that it's actually kind of bad totally Sparta, did you tweet about Gilgamesh or bread? Somewhere Probably within the past not. week. I, I mean, I do constantly. But <laughs> yeah, but you're not on Twitter anymore, and I don't really go on Blue Sky. Because I've read somewhere something or heard like that quote that you quoted, and my mind has just been focused on trying. Oh, you know what it is? It's my review. It's my letterbox review of 28 Days Later. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which is... Yeah. I gave you that quote for your letterbox. Yeah, we collaborated on that. Yeah, I mean, I I think the everything about the move. So when they like when the uh, the major describes the move from the camp to the mansion that takes place is like and coupled with that speech that she just said, like everything is in there. The men are basically living in a you know again in a camp in a genderless world because there's only men, you know, whatever. So there's no sexual or gender difference anymore. And they freak out about it. And there's no other, like, there's no explanation for them going inside the mansion otherwise, except that, like, like women will come. We are going to set up civilization, which means going indoors, you know, like, but marble statues of naked dudes. Marble, yeah. Flags. Well, by the way, that statue. I gotta talk about that statue in a minute. I want to talk about that statue. I I also feel like yeah, uh, the idea of um, breeding is just uh, or creating offspring is just a, a thin veneer of an excuse they can give themselves for uh, what they really want, which is, I mean, just the complete. Um, yeah, control over uh, sexual pleasure. I think I, it's I don't both. Think, it's equally both. I, I think in the back of the minds, maybe. What? I don't Sorry. think that breeding was even really mentioned. I think you're completely sure. right. It, it's not even a thin veneer. It's male dominion over women is civilization. Mm-hmm. Well, that's but, it. Like, that, that's what they're saying. Like, we have the, to have this thing as it's it's like the you no. will, like, people will accept hierarchies if they have something to go home and be. Yeah, the the one in charge of. Sure. You can own a woman, so I, I, I think, think it's all in there. I think all but, like that's in there, but yeah, yeah. They describe like guy had a gun in his mouth because there's no future because 
there's no women, so there are no children, so there's no future. That was like the 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 incident that caused. They also say their number one job is not protection; it's actually rebuilding. Right. Um, but but yeah, Barta, do you want to? It seemed like you had a, a tying the camp thing. Were you finished with that, or were you not? You know, I, I guess um, Lee Edelman talks about reproductive futurism, which is basically the 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 capitalist Im- imperative. Everything is for the children. For you know, it, it sort of centers the child. Uh, all economic imperatives are for the future, the continuation of. So the system can keep reproducing itself and reproducing itself and reproducing can itself. I... Yes. The, uh, I, the, and, but the child, and this kind of plays into the points, uh, Pinko and Charlie, you're making the child as a symbol, as not, no, nothing's actually for the children, right? The children are this idea of right, right. continuing society into the future is the way we want it. But sorry, keep going. Bart. I didn't mean to, I want to let you no, finish. You know, you could point to John Z- Zaran. Is that how you say his name? Zerzan? Is there two Z's in there? I always forget. Zerzan. You're saying it completely Zer- wrong, but go on. John, John Zerzan, <laughs> the anarcho-primitivist. Yeah, you know I he's, mean, he it, wouldn't call himself that, but he he would um you know he would cite that patriarchy sets up at uh, exists at the moment civilization comes into being. You know, and 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 this. Sorry, I feel like I've gotten completely off track here, but you're good. Um, no, the the, the mansion exists as a site to create civilization and to create uh, to create a civilization being a, uh, a hierarchical place where the, the men have dominion over women, physical and sexual violence, uh, um, but also like reproductive labor and and all that. Um, and totally. yeah, rabbit, save me. Oh, uh, well, I want to hear, I, I fully agree. I have like, I'm brimming with takes, but I'm trying to make space for y'all to like, um, uh, uh, I want to hear about the statue before I go on my, on my connective rant. Okay. Well, I'll tell you about the statue, but can I also, I just want to push back slightly on something is, so the children of the future thing, I think is like a, it's a, a slogan, right? That, I, but it, I think of it often as like one of the ways that children are sort of just like the the cudgel that is used to like get people in line is like you have to do it for the children oh, yeah. that's children yes. children exist whether or not you have civilization women <laughs> well people who can get pregnant they do it regardless of whether civilization exists it's the it's not the having children part it's having control over who has children and how many and when they have them and that and i think that is like the, it's it's the domestication of it like the the that's what domestic domestication is is like taking over the reproduction the reproductive capability of a species or a, a organism that's what they're doing totally they're domesticating agree. people by it, dominating women it's not it's, really about children but it's it, it's it's kind of both like it's not really about children but it's reproduction as an excuse for reproduction of a certain type of society which is a patriarchal society yes for sure well or just that civilization can only continue if we have the dominion over women sure yeah 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 fully fully and yeah i mean i i think that the idea Okay, should I let you talk about the statue or should I go on my connective rant right now? Go on your go connective on your, rant. Okay. Yeah. I want okay. to hear the rant. I mean, I, I don't have an exact... But, like, yes, I fully agree that this is the, the like, 
you have our group of semi-nomadic people who've been learning to live differently who not going to go into delusing guitar yet but like who are looking for a savior and they encounter the state and it's these people who are not yet the state but they're trying to reproduce the state or civilization or trying to turn the stuff that they have in front of them that is like a mess trying to form it in a way so that it will reproduce the things that they miss and the things that they miss are disgusting right they're like gender roles very specifically in a certain way right it's not just that they want to have sex with the women it's that they have to wear the dresses it's that when there aren't any women the man who cooks has to wear the apron because they're so desperate and they make fun of him the whole time yes because they have to be demeaning to the to the closest thing to a woman they have so every Every single thing that they're doing is trying to reproduce civilization. So, like, I I fully agree with that. I also think that this started with us talking about Mailer, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the the uh, infected that they have chained up is a black guy, no. um, or that the people or the things they had chained up earlier in the movie are apes. Like it's all tied together um, to be things and like people or identities or species that throughout history have been called uncivilized or uh, that like having slaves. The excuses were all the things on that wall in Mesopotamia. They were the same excuses. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's where slavery started right there is ancient Mesopotamia. But like, or just like the fact that the site that they retreat to, to rebuild civilization is a fucking British like manor house yeah, in Manchester. Totally. <laughs> Which they're like, like... With some op- very much definitely stolen Greek statues in it. Yes. Or Roman statues, but whatever. Which they like, and they're trying to recreate all of it. Even like they having the dinner where when the commander comes in, they all applaud and he tells the guy to take his hat off. And I think it's really interesting and smart that when he's giving the speech, he's giving the tour to Jim and talking about rebuilding and how, you know, uh, like protection rebuilding. And while he's doing that, the shots are intercut with the soldiers being stupid fucking frat boys running around and, and like very clearly showing that they are not quote unquote civilized. They're playing a game of civilization as an attempt at control over these people they've found. And then at the very um, end of the rant, he admits that they don't have anything. All they had was, we made this promise because it would bring women. Yeah. Oh, I just want to throw in a little part that uh, doesn't really disagree with what you're saying. But uh, you brought up the guy with the apron. I just want to throw out from a filmmaking perspective. um, Yeah. They mentioned that um, all the soldiers were just alike. And so they wanted to throw in things to help the audience discern them from each other. So uh, putting that one uh, character in an apron is a way to help uh, them to kind of like keep the soldiers apart. Um, and that's a perfect example of why like the author's intention is so irrelevant because like they, the patriarchy of the filmmakers not realizing that they're making a movie about reproducing the patriarchy has them come up with, oh, we'll put him in an apron. And it's like mm-hmm. perfect. Like they like they are the soldiers. They just don't think they're the soldiers and they're not as far all gone as the soldiers, you know? Yeah. And one more thing is uh, a lot of this. I don't know if any of you have seen Day of the Dead. What? Yes. Uh, Keep going, Charlie. Um, but a lot of this part of the movie seems to be very heavily um, uh, based on Day of the Dead. I mean, the the thing with Mailer being chained up is um, mm-hmm. outside of the fact that he's black. Uh, um, it's a very specific reference to um 
Day of the Dead to the point where mm. Alex Garland is like, I don't know, this is uh, even legal for me to have put this in here. Um, or <laughs> if, if they have any kind of uh, legal right to, to sue us over this. Um, other, yeah, it, it, and then Day of the Dead, the, the chained up character is white, not black. Um, uh, so that obviously gives a lot more weight to it. Um, but yes, I just want to throw out that, that uh, this part of the movie totally. is also very, very heavily indebted to Day of the Dead, which is largely about... Um, the military in the after the zombie apocalypse and how they deal with with it for sure i i want to sorry uh real quick throw out one thing i forgot to mention when talking about gender roles is that obviously when they first pick them up they radio in one male two females i repeat one male two females yeah. because of their plan but i think it's very great that the first thing that happens is they're literally labeled right like that's the first step yep. towards the so patriarchy is, yeah, they gendered them immediately. You're, oh, you have fallen into the classification zone now. You are no longer roaming free to figure figure out who you are. Well, at and no also- other point were they like so heavily gendered. Like, in fact, when when they're in the flat with um with Frank and he's like offering the like bed, he's like, "Are you and Selena like?" And he's like, "No." And it's like, "Oh, okay." Like, yeah. there's. It's immediately like, oh, okay, so that's not what their relationship is about. Like, it's just something else. And she's the, like, badass who, like, does the protecting. Totally. I, I want to jump back just a couple steps. When you're you're talking about, like, dress it, you know, like, it's not about sex. It's They're putting them in, you know, pre-dresses. There's, like, this kind of play of civilization. But I was reading, um, this is from uh, Against... The Gendered Nightmare. I tried to read that, and then I just let Barto tell me things that he read from it. Is this part of Baden? No, this isn't part of Baden. It is. Baden 3. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Shout out to uh, Sewer Al for turning me onto that thing for this. Well, I also want to just throw out that the first... The Ed, I forget his name, that you were bringing up was from the first Baden. Lee Edelman is also Baden 1. But economists and historians will describe a natural material dialectic by which people willfully enter these beasts, these beasts being uh, Leviathan or society, society, the state, because of their supposedly superior amenities. And yet at every turn, violence must be used to force people to accept these amenities. There is no demand until people have broken from the wild world and from their own abilities to care for themselves. European clothes are only worn by those who have lost their own. You know, I thought it, it just like exactly what their situation is. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. I, I think it's also interesting that as soon as they find amenities, like as soon as our roving group of people find amenities, which are like hollow, right? We're going to have a big dinner, but the eggs are bad. We're going to have dresses, but you're forced to wear them and we're going to fucking sexually assault you. At the same time that they run into that is when they run into the other side of civilization, not just the stuff we've brought up about the patriarchy, but also jail is back. Executions are back. Like, very immediately the justice system which is actually just a means of control are back what do you think about the fact that they keep taking valium to make us not care specifically but they try to stop them from taking it that was like they try to stop her hannah from taking it well because i thought that she was just gonna kill herself i think but like oh oh, sure it makes them not care but then it also at the same time it causes hannah to say a bunch of shit that makes very upset and to undermine the hierarchy like she uses the hierarchy against them while high um Mm -hmm. i mean i don't think there's anything's particular to valium i thought of that as like drugs are one of our tools against 
this yeah. bullshit. Opium is the opium of the masses. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I mean that's just uh, Selena was stocked up on drugs, and that was a way for her to protect Hannah. Death yeah. is the one that I want on my side in the zombie yeah. apocalypse for sure. Except she'd leave you for fucking dead early in the movie. But she fucking wouldn't. She yeah. says she would, but she True. fucking would. She like she's like and goes back into her bag for the specific type of soda he asked for. Totally. <laughs> hey. Tango, what the fuck is that? Fuck you, I fucking British people, man. Yeah. But I think her relationship is or her changes as a character is sort of like she's like shedding like capitalist individualism as the the film goes right that's what's going on and he's becoming less um docile like he's become Mm -hmm. he they're both castrated individuals in a way like he is very docile and because he has i'm totally stealing stuff from conversations i've had with you but anyway he's like very like just goes along with everything and she is someone who has given up on the idea of like love and family and they have this whole like conversation about it where she's like they're like walking around and he's like i was thinking she's like what that you'll never read an original story or hear a song that's never been recorded and he's like no i was thinking about how it's kind of cool how hannah and frank have each other and she's like (laughs) yeah and then she like kind of admits that she like kind of loves him a little bit (laughs) yeah i i think um an important part of that climax scene is uh how we see like a complete kind of flip where you know, in the beginning, she's she's the brutal one willing to kind of just hack up someone a, a, as soon as she gets the chance. And he's just like, well, what the fuck is that? And then the ending scene, we hit, see him take on all these people. And part of me wanted to see her, like, hack up on these fucking people that's about to rape her. Yeah. But I think it's, um, you know, it's important to comment, I guess, on her character that... On on both of their characters and how they've advanced, um, and seeing him being the the one who's kind of let his I don't know brutality uh, and her fighting so hard for for Hannah, who like mm-hmm. instead of leaving someone behind, yeah, right. Yeah. I yeah. agree. That is important. She's like, I don't want Hannah to have to be okay with it and like handle it. I want her to be happy. I did kind of think it was like, how do you feel about the the very last thing that like Selena's doing? is sewing wait can we can we wait i want to save the epilogue to the end because the epilogue is a whole but if that's okay with y'all because that yeah. throws a wrench in so many things <laughs> yeah it sure you does. talk about the statue oh please let me hear about the statue okay the statue i don't know how to pronounce it it's called lacoon and his sons and i want to ask in the movie did you see any like smaller dudes no there's no sons it's just sons out which i think it might be significant but lacoon is um no children yeah Uh, there's no children right so that statue was just in that house okay but i think it's just an interesting choice that like lacoon is he was a priest of poseidon and there's like three different versions of the story, but in all of them, he's killed for doing something, namely like having sex and reproducing when he wasn't supposed to, or he exposed the ruse of the Trojan horse by striking it with a, a spear, a spear, not sphere, spear. Um, but I think it's in all cases, he has gone against the established order. And in two different versions, he's gone against the established order and had sex and or had children. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And then in the movie, we see him the man who is punished for having children, but his children are there. And I just think that's very interesting. That is interesting. That is really weird. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. I really have thoughts about where Jim ends up and where 
uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? Not Selena. Hannah. Selena. Selena. End up and about family things, but I feel like I can't talk about them without going into Deleuze and Guattari for a second, so I have to do it. Is that okay? Do it, do it, do it. Um, the only statue I recognize is the Statue of Liberty. Go I've on. been listening to just like commentary, like just recaps of the conversations that you and Barto have about Deleuze and Guattari, like for a year now. So, I feel like I've read that book and I haven't. Okay, so. Without going too deep into it, basically Deleuze and Guattari have these two ideas of the war machine or the nomadic war machine and the apparatus of capture. And I hope you'll help me here a little bit if you need to, Barto. But roughly speaking, they are like abstract concepts or logics that can be used to describe mostly certain social formations that we like tend between. Like you can think of them as two poles on one end of social organization or the way humans cooperate and work together is the nomadic war machine, which is like nomadic, open to potential, trying to like looking at something in front of you and seeing what its possibilities are. And on the other pole is like the apparatus of capture, which is like the state. It's enclosed. It's trying to close off potential. It's trying to get everything else that exists and make it more like the things that it wants, that it already is. Like these two poles. You could think of the apparatus of capture as like the state, and you can think of like the nomadic war machine as like a kind of more open, let's say, riot, where you're kind of, or like an, an I don't know, an anarchist group that's trying to be like... A group of Amorites who are just going to walk around your wall. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> so roughly speaking, you could say that like, the we have like the apparatus of capture has taken over all of the world and that's what kind of civilization is and this this infectious outbreak is tending more towards a nomadic war machine these people the infected are nomadic they're roving they are not seeing the street and thinking this is a street where cars go and or, this is a window where you look through they're like this is a window i can jump through it this is a wall i can bash it this is a person i can eat it like it's like open and different and it's changing and it's what you, they would call deterritorializing and re-territorializing they're looking at the territory instead of agreeing with what it already means they are seeing the potential it has and using it differently where then so that's what's starting to take over and the nomadic war machine is is very much seen as like an anti-state force sometimes it's an anti-state force even before the state exists it's preventing the apparatus of capture it's preventing like your potential from being squashed and when you have this overwhelming state like society civilization one of the only ways to fight it is to lean really hard into the nomadic war machine and that's kind of what the infection is doing and why it's successful at taking down civilization so in this new context where the war machine the infected are are everywhere you see our group of people in the beginning learning more to be a nomadic war machine to survive they're starting to realize they're like taking cues from the infected you see them being more riotous you see them like throwing maltovs uh you see them kind of like scraping by not having any plans even selena's talking about like not having plans just kind of being nomadic not knowing where they're going just going where life takes them and then after half a movie of that, you have these fucking military dudes who are like, we must make the apparatus of capture 
back. We must capture all this new stuff and turn it into the old ways, the state. We must even literally physically capture one of the pieces of the nomadic war machine, Mailer, and lock him up and stare at him. We must capture these nomads and gender them and force them into sexual uh, roles. Um, so, sorry, go ahead, something like No, no, no. Something I just kept thinking about was uh, when the major offers Jim a drink and what he offered him was the whiskey that they had taken from them. Oh, you know, yeah. like, you know, Literally like captured just Good like, call. you know, just like very basic. Like they are, they are, you know, you could, you could call it tickets to go look at your own art in the museum. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you could call it like primitive accumulation or something like that, but you know, sort of, yeah. which he stole from the which, supermarket. Which, yes. which yes. they like, Hunt gathered, you know, they yes. were they hunted it. They they isn't, ran that thing down and speared it to death. <laughs> isn't uh shopping fun when capitalism is crumbled? Uh, I, I um, love that scene. They're like so but, tickled pink that they get to just like run through yes. the grocery store and and then he just like leaves his credit card. I also love how like um Frank is like kind of looking over his shoulder while he's taking all of the bottles of whiskey as if so. It's going to yeah. be like, hey, you can't do that. I wonder if like he's worried his daughter will say something or something. Yeah, but uh, I, mean, I, I don't know. Uh, he's a lush. All he's a lush. He to men. Well, sorry, y'all. I've you done just, some setup, but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna get to where I meant to be I, going. If that's okay. Just to throw out that scene is a Dawn of the Dead. That's specifically a Dawn of the Dead reference. Oh, Hell it yeah. totally is. Nice. Um. Okay. So. We see early on that like Jim is when he's in his house and he's being sentimental like the he's his his parents have died and his kind of brain is going into apparatus of capture mode like it's going like in back into his old life he's having these memories of like what it would be like he's almost hallucinating what it would be like like he can't let go to have his parents and family back and then that gets broken by two infected coming in through not the way you have territorialized a house, right? One comes through a window and one comes through a skylight and it shoots him out of it. So fast forward to later in the movie, in order to beat the state, he has to become the nomadic war machine. He has to become the infected. We see so many things where not only is he pretending to be the infected, like he lays down with them in order to not be seen. He, we see him like, hiding around in corners and like being shot like they're shot by the filmmakers. Um, we see him smashing through windows and skylights to attack, but also he's re-territorial, like deterritorializing and re-territorializing the tools of the soldiers. He runs the siren, not as a warning that they're coming, but as a trick to get them to come out. He f uses the zombies as instead of things that can attack him as weapons against them. Like, he's re-territorializing everything. Um, he's, uh, uh, he, and so, yeah, he has to kind of become them to the point where he's even, like, taking pleasure in killing them, as you'll notice at the end. And mm -hmm. I think the reason, the reason I think that this is an important way to look at it is... Lena thinks he is one of them. Exactly, and so does Hannah. Exactly, because he's so far that way. And I don't... I think it would be too simple to say that the movie is saying we have to be like the infected or we have to be like the soldiers. Deleuze and Guattari are very much not like the nomadic war machine is good and the apparatus of capture is bad. They're like, these are two poles and they're extreme. And because we're in this giant apparatus of capture 
world. Let's try to learn about the nomadic war machine, but we have to oscillate somewhere in the middle. And I think that's what's happening with these characters. I think Jim has to lean farther to nomadic war machine to beat the state, but then get pulled back. And I think that's what Selena has to do too. And that's why they're both kind of ending in this middle part. And I, one last thing about that is just that, like, I think that there's a lot about family in this, and you can take family as very apparatus of capture like, we have to have our traditional nuclear family, and I think the movie is saying something more exciting and complicated, like, don't go Selena's way where you say, fuck family, but don't go back to where family is this patriarchal, capitalist, nuclear family, be like the wild horses, um, it's extremely like do, found family. Exactly, like, exactly. It's so cute. I mean, just I mean, the scene where they become a family is so. I like yes, it. so they're cool. a band. Like, I like yes. Well, yes. Like, it's just the way that like I just I love where For he like kind of snuggles down in between Selena and Hannah, and you could almost see that in like a weird like oh the dude is like in between the two ladies way, but like they just look like a pile of kids like at a slumber yeah. party, and uh, like it makes me think of like going camping with my sister and my cousins when we were little kids, and then oh, he has a bad dream, and Frank is looking over him, and Frank wakes him up from the dream, and he's like thanks dad, and it's like it's so touching like he found they found like each other and they're so happy together and it's like i want to stay in that moment in that like they i wish they hadn't gone and been yes. in the the civilization place but but when the father dies the family doesn't very importantly that is very I, important yes a couple of things about that um about him kind of being siblings with selena and hannah uh also it's a little incesty what oh yeah yeah <laughs> um uh when frank kind of like yells at them um when they go to uh you know the the, the place where they're at, the, their yeah. adventure goes to uh the, the checkpoint and he's like where the fuck are we so where the fuck are we supposed to go now or whatever and the camera shoots on the three of the kids and they're kind of all like oh dad's bad yeah exactly dad dad's pissed taking um, on that like bad patriarchal role there yeah yeah um which dad's Dads are allowed to get angry. Just I mean, I felt, I felt pretty bad yeah. for him too because he just wanted yeah. to. He wanted something for his family, his <laughs> new family. But he yes. also like isn't able to let go of the old conventional idea of like what would be the thing to do. And even though yesterday he was so happy when they were watching the horses and they were like, they don't need anything. They're free. And yeah. And for some reason, it took them two days to drive from London to Manchester. I don't yeah, know why. It's like a four-hour drive. With uh, traffic. Like, I mean, th there's no traffic anymore, but that's okay. Yesterday is also a movie by Danny Boyle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, a major point of the filmmakers, uh, of Alex and um, Danny Boyle, for the movie was um, Jim's uh, father fixation. So uh, when they mm. first bring up his family going back to his house, he's more fixated on his father's fate than he is of his mother's fate. And then he mm. sees, um, and then he sees Frank as a new father figure. And then he sees uh, what's his name, Henry, Harry, Major Mark? Harry, something. Yeah. And then after Frank dies, he he goes to Harry as a father Henry. figure. Oh, I'm sorry. It was or Henry, Henry as a father figure. Um, so a big part of the movie is, uh, 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 Jim looking for different father figures Be and, and becoming the dad at the end, becoming, 
Yeah, he he helps kill the father for sure. Uh, yeah. Man, that that did not come across to me. I feel like I have to thank the editor for that because they that didn't that, that didn't that, didn't that come was across not played me either. Up. But uh, that's what they he talked about. In the, Maybe it just didn't work too well, the, and they didn't because yeah, commentary. they it it doesn't. He's pushing back against the OC like right away. Like he's almost like doing the dude thing of like, oh yeah, we're cool. We can be like racist and sexist here, but let me try to like infest you with like. Like, he's, like, sitting with him drinking whatever and, like, letting him talk, but you never get the vibe that he's, like, taken in, you know? Yeah. To be fair uh, about how you don't see that in it, also his major point of the movie is that um, hell is no other people and you completely say he's wrong. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's so yeah. you, I'm just saying you you pretty much all completely disagree with everything else he says about the movie, so. Totally. What did you think? Like the scene where Henry is at his, he's like talking to Jim, and like he's like in a chair, and Jim is like on the floor at his feet. Yeah, he's in a yeah. gold throne. <laughs> yeah, overlooking this like yard, which like what is more civilized than a lawn? And but like he's like sitting at his feet, and I, I thought that was so like on the one hand it could be like a a child listening to a parent, but on the other hand it's very like the king and his subject. Mm, it's very yeah. I, weird to me. Like it was, a, it was an interesting shot. I don't know. And yeah, it's like, I mean, it's a dining room chair, but it looks like a throne. I don't know. To me, that very much fit for how he was acting, right? Like he's having people applaud when he walks in a room. Um, yeah. It's just weird that Jim was uh, like vibing with it. I, that's why I mean, um, like, I feel like Jim was just like, okay, how do I figure out this dude's deal? I'm going to play along with this shit. And, but then and again, I, like Jim keeps getting like bit by like this idea, like desire to like, return to that state like he's i keep thinking about like did i mention this earlier like he at the beginning of the movie when they're well not at the beginning when they're at the um at frank's house or apartment he like tries to shave with no water and just like cuts the fucking shit out of his face but he's trying to like remove the like the hair of uncivilizedness and go back to the clean shaven british man Mm. which three of us on this recording need to do just need to throw that out there I'm, I know, I'm sorry. I haven't. I haven't shaved my beard in so long. Um, you can't. But um, you, you would be able to notice if you saw me in person. <laughs> he just continually keeps trying to do this, and then like get injured, like or, or like it, or it's futile. Like he's picking yeah, up good money. Um, yeah, literally hurts himself trying to be civilized. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's and at the end, like the thing that was actually the thing he should do is what you said is like become the like you know nomadic the nomad. know all the, yeah or well move back and forth in between those states i guess and at least yeah go go there harder and like i mean do losing atari usually actually use a riot as an example of like a nomadic war machine so it's interesting that like they're taking on in the the some of the tips of the infected and they're becoming riot right like literally wearing a gas mask throwing molotovs cheering as they blow up a gas station like they're they're not hiding it and that's has to be intentional or at least subconsciously because it's right after the scenes of the riot footage and right before she describes the rioting that supposedly terrified her Mm -hmm. like it's but i do think this movie one of the the because it was in small towns yeah I think one of the missteps of the film and shows the limitation of the filmmakers is their conflation of the idea of a riot with the idea of a mass panic, which are not the same at all. And they definitely like 
in a riot, not everybody will do this, but generally speaking, you fall down, someone will pick you up. In a mass panic, the idea of a Hollywood mass panic is not that, right? You're all stomping at each other. The guy realizes he's running on people. And I think they conflate those two in a way that is a little frustrating. It's a thing that happens a lot in whenever like this subject is done in Hollywood. To, yes. That, like, if, if I were a slightly more paranoid person, I'd be like, the the big guys who are in charge of everything like corporate people came in and were like no but like you have to scale it back a little bit you can't they don't have to it's okay <laughs> this is the this is sold to us as like right we are told that when things go bad everyone will fight against each other when all the evidence is to the contrary can i jump somewhere are you you're are you still on war machine or oh you... no i'm done i I came okay. back for a sec, but I'm I'm done. I'm not sure if Frank was supposed to be dad. I like I know I mean, he called the him filmmakers dad. Specifically, say multiple times. Yeah, I, yeah, but Frank I think they're wrong dad. again. I think that they're creating like a totally different formation than the sure. family. Sure. When when they're out there, and Frank has a role in that, but I don't think he's dad anymore but he's and in falling fact, into fatherly roles right he's clearly like he gets all upset at them and he's like okay you can have a little valium yeah i but like i mean he's still a parent to hannah but she's sure. also clearly like someone who taking care of him is taking care of him yes i think i think you're right because like in every group of people i've known who have created like a little family structure they often refer to themselves and each other in those like familial terms even though they're fucking not like everybody has that friend that calls herself mom she's not your fucking mom but she calls herself mom yeah i just see their whole structure feels flatter than that flatter but not complete like i think the beauty of what's happening in the movie is that these people are carrying the old ideas with them and we're watching them slowly step and move out of them they haven't completely it doesn't just disappear sure you're right. Does a You're family right. with parents have to be hierarchical? I mean, no. It's a two-hour I... film, folks. We can't... <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. We can't deconstruct the family through and gender I mean... and civilization in two hours? <laughs> what? My, my thought initially when they killed Frank, when they shot Frank, even though he was turning into a zombie, they had to shoot him because, like... Like, oh, that's they saw a dad there and they had to be the army had to be their dad instead. Oh, interesting. Jim was about to do it. Jim was ready. He grabbed the bat and he was like ready to fucking swing. And the army got there first. It's almost like the army took it from him. His I don't know if moment he had it in to do yet. the right thing for Jim. I think he yeah, did because he, I think he did because he did with the boy, and then it's like oh, the, I right. wrote it in my notes. Jim learns, but he didn't love the boy, right? But he yeah. learned that he is able to kill. Sure, he did learn that he was able to kill. He just wanted a cheeseburger. He just wanted a cheeseburger. He went in there and then he was like, "I'm gonna look at these bodies for a while." Like as soon as he smelled the death smell, like. Come on. Just saying, there's a difference between killing a uh, random zombified child who you have no absolute no connection to and uh, killing someone who you see as a father figure. But I think that in the language of the film, we're supposed to understand that when Jim kills that boy, he learns that he can kill a zombie. I, 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 I do agree with that. I'm just... That doesn't mean you're ready to 
you're all about yeah, ready I mean, to kill you, the person. I killed a lot of squirrels. I don't think I could kill my dog. You know? I think it's <laughs> ambiguous. He probably could have, but I no, think it's I ambiguous. And I either. think that that's important because he probably could have. We will never know. But then he fully has to when he has to defend them. Like that's part of the steps, mm. right? Can Can I ask, why do we think he... Would that whole scene happen with him killing the the child? It's just that he had to kill somebody? I think it was... I mean, I think it's part of the, like... If we're talking, like, hero's journey, he went into the Lots dark fucking hell and had to learn the lesson that he could kill. And then he had to kill someone. We had to see him, right? Because, like, I don't know. It's pretty loaded. One of it... What Part of it is that he see When he talks to the OC and he's trying to convince... He's literally like, you've had to kill somebody. Yeah, and so they had to have that. But also, like, he has... He's trying to convince the OC to not be patriarchal, and he, like, shoves that out of the way and is like, who have you killed? And it's a way for him to be like, you're just like me. And he has to think, oh, shit, am I like him? And then be like, no, I'm not, and move on. No, because I'm not also trying to turn my friends into sex slaves. Yeah, totally. It's it's such, like, a weird conversation because he's like – you survived this long. You had to have killed somebody when the person that Jim killed, he absolutely did not have to kill. There was like no reason for him to like, he could have survived that oh. long without killing anybody. Sure. It was a little boy. I don't, it was weird that like, I, I almost like thought he was going to like, it was almost like was embarrassing boy. that like his one kill was just a little boy. <laughs> it feels maybe important yeah. when we're leading to a scene More about agile. children and a lack of children. Um, but Charlie, what were you uh, gonna say? I, 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 um, this just occurred to me. It's kind of interesting. So once again, going from um, the filmmaker and writer's sure. perspective, that about uh, father figures being an important thing. It's interesting that he's about to kill um, Frank, but then he doesn't. Uh, probably much to his relief. Um, and then later, uh, according to the filmmakers, um, Henry is that his name? Harry. Henry. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Yeah. It. Can we he's just supposed call to be next, <laughs> He's supposed to be the next father figure. <laughs> um, and uh, he kills pretty much every other soldier except for his father figure. Mm. So once again, him killing his father figure is taken away from him. Yeah. Um, and someone else kills the father figure instead, oh. even though he I kills think it's like. I great that Hannah is the one who kills him. Side note. It's up. For the yeah. same reason that Charlie said it would have been great for Selena to do it, because it's like revenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, good point, Charlie. He never gets to do it. He never. He never Oedipuses. Right. Yeah. yeah. He never. I mean, which is, which <laughs> is, um, goodness, you know, is part of the uh, like, you could say that the Oedipal structure, the son kills the dad to take his place, is is that what we were calling like reproductive futurism yes. it is the the maintaining of society yes. um to, towards the future and it's i guess cool and important yes. that jim did not kill either of his dads a hundred what do you think that, about the yes. fact that the Amazing. only character in this who actually is a child is the one who kills the oc hell yes talking about she's trying he's doing it for the child the capital t capital c child and the child fucking takes him out the child says, Fuck no, yeah. you are not actually doing this shit for me. And he was trying to make her into an adult role, even. Yep. That's She's true, a yeah. child. Yeah. 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 Good fucking point. Lots of good points flying out. Love this. I was all yesterday. I'm like, there's an edible thing in here somewhere. We're going to find edible it. Thing, but we found it. Thanks, gang. <laughs> I, um, 
I do want to jump back to one thing that I think uh, is just fun that the movie does is um, we've talked about all these things, but connecting them like the the idea of like the emptiness of the commodity and the emptiness of the things that we say are so important to civilization once people are gone uh are is is beautiful like i love that uh like we said the when they go shopping like that's beautiful and amazing because cash is dead right and we see cash being dead multiple times um but also hold on where is it oh i love that he was a bicycle cure courier and now he's still alive because class doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what you accomplished before right you're one mm. of the people here because who fucking cares about that shit <laughs> what was the one i just had that i was hoping to bring up one second the, the piggyback on that that the class doesn't matter um uh i forgot which character brought it up they talk about like how their parents took a bunch of cash to the airport to try to like oh, buy them passage yes. and it just it didn't mean shit uh, totally Oh, oh, okay. Mark. So they do the shopping that's cashless, and then the next shot is them driving, and it's this beautiful music still coming, like this nice fantasy, like wonderful world music, and they're driving, is and that it's Brian this weird. Eno? What'd you say? I, I can't remember if that was Brian Eno, or maybe that was a later Might have been. later driving um, scene where it's Brian Eno. The next shot is them driving above a field of flowers, and there's a weird filter on it that makes it look almost like a yes. painting. And yeah. I, I feel like that is like. See, when there's no cash, going shopping is like the paintings. It is like well, the Americana. It is like the motel room paintings want you to think here. Only if we destroy everything that makes it run, right? That was Brian Eno, by the way. Just throwing they're, out there. One, one of my loves. They're operating on pure desire yeah. at that point. They're going to the store and they're not like doing the thing where like – you know, people shop and it feels better because they've spent money. Like they click that, you know, they people don't feel better because they get the thing. They feel better because they spent money. That is like how it works in many people's brains. Not everyone. I hate spending every dollar I spend. But I would be uh, so satisfied if I could go to the grocery store and just take everything. Like, for they free. are moving in in pure pure drive and desire and yeah. and just just getting what they care about and get what excites them and that's how it's sold to us when we see advertisements and movies and things about how great capitalism is it's not about thinking about do i have enough money for this it's about getting the thing and holding it and having it and like that's that's what they're doing they're technically i guess no longer commodities at this point right because sure. there there's no you know like it's cool. They've they've yes. transcended the commodity form. I'm sorry. What was your question? Okay, it's actually kind of dumb. But um, what do we think of the part where like all of the produce is run, and then he stops at the apples, and he's like irradiated food, and he's like so excited for it. And those are some delicious looking apples. I just thought it was saying like, oh wow. I just thought it was supposed to be kind of cute. Like, oh, we're now I'm happy about GMOs because civilization collapsed. Yeah, I don't think I mean, it was just a little slice of uh ironic ironicism irony irony yes i want to bring out one more thing that was making me think of though and is uh you brought it up earlier pinko is when um or i think it was you uh when she's like he's crashing when they're running up the stairs and she's like you need sugar because that's all we have 
And then she's saying that she's operating on pure survival, right? She's like, oh, I'd kill a person. I'd leave him behind. And then she's like, here, which one do you want? And he's like, do you have this other one? She's like, oh, actually, I do. And I love that, like, she's holding on to this idea of these commodities or no longer commodities. Good call, Barto. Uh, as, <laughs> as like, like they should be re-territorializing these, right, as pure sugar and pure survival but there's still this lingering capitalism in there of like oh we get the beauty of choice that's what's Mm. so great about capitalism but then that's immediately interrupted by the zombies as soon as she plays into it it's like and i feel like that's this awesome the movie is just like is just like there is no beauty in the choice the choice is death you having the choice between those sodas is a zombie eating your face it's a very funny moment because it also just comes on the tail of her being like why didn't you tell me that you had a headache and he's like because i didn't think you would get it. <laughs> totally Charlie, which, is exact, which is exactly what she's been presenting to him i totally <laughs> agree said, with her she's fucking leaving <laughs> yeah. behind and then she's going actually wait hang on yes which i think probably... is actually what the filmmakers are trying to probably trying to say is that like you stopping and being sympathetic is the death but i like mm. your take better rabbit that thank you it's true caring about choice <laughs> consumer choice is the thing that's gonna kill us all <laughs> choice I mean, paralysis about his his thought process there um the filmmakers wanted to trick the audience into thinking that her and mark were in a relationship and then she just chops them up like that so like yeah just like way that kind of uh we were supposed um, to think they were in a relationship. Yeah, I didn't get that vibe God, from they're them. They're bad but... at their job. <laughs> they're so bad at making movies. <laughs> they did not. They completely just seem like. A I also of just people. think you make a commentary years later. You're half full of shit. I don't think you remember <laughs> what you were trying to do. Yeah. I mean, this is like I'm gonna have a meeting yeah. on Friday to talk about a lesson that I taught last week, and it's entirely going to be bullshit because I don't <laughs> even remember anything I said. I, I I do agree that it was something like we meant to show that they were in a relationship. I think that's something is that time wouldn't distort that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why would they, why would that even be a thing that would matter? Like just a fun, like haha bait and switch. Like apparently. Yeah. They, they, I mean, yes, they, they said that they wanted the audience to think that it was going to be a team of three going on. And then they were uh, going to cut out one of them, which, which was, uh, effective. Was, was unexpected. It was um, effective. Yeah. I, Cause we, we connected with Mark a little bit, but I also yeah. like, I wasn't that surprised that he got killed. Like somebody had to be zombified and killed. And I it mean, wasn't going to be Selena because, like, she's cool. Like, it's not going to be the chick. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. From, like, my my lizard brain was like, I am Jim in this movie. Selena is cool and hot. I hope Mark dies. So it worked out for me. You are exactly. Exactly. Uh, it was so obviously yeah. not Like, Also, Mark told that really shitty joke. I love the joke. I, I yeah, the it, joke. it was just it was bad timing. Lion and just, yeah, bad delivery. God. I wait. That, that's what you're talking about, like yes. the line in. I can't. This is killing me earlier because I didn't want to scan through the commentary because it's hard when it's a torrent. There was a different joke that had in place instead of that, and mm. I, which they were like, it's a much better joke, but it's it's a much shorter joke, and they had to have a longer joke. So instead, mm. I put the line slash draft joke, and I was just like, what? the... I can't remember what the fuck the original joke was supposed to be. And it was I love killing me i love that line delivery i i think that is such a great introduction to mark it's a great like acting great scene it's just i would 
Mark, I've just questioned Mark is what I'm doing, which is fine. <laughs> I um, like that it's said like an interrogation. He's like, listen, there's a fucking giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, also, I just like that it's a joke. Like you would not, it wouldn't work with an American accent. No. no. You, never say, you can't leave that lion there. I think, I don't think that would be said in America. I, I think Disagree. it still works. Lion. I, I think it still works. I'll tell it's about um, work. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, would you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell it uh, Wednesday at work. I'm not going to work tomorrow. Hell yeah. But yeah, not only is it an interrogation, it's like from this person who you're completely thrust in this world of like, what the fuck? There's nobody around? What the fuck? These people with red eyes are running at me and these other people are fucking saving me with mol- with Molotov cocktails and bombs and and then all of a sudden this person just presents this weird fucking joke to me. Like, it's not just a... Uh, yeah. It's a pun, it's just too. A it's completely... a really long pun for a fucking pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just completely, like... I, I think... This it's... is a night... This is a dream world. This isn't real. There's no yeah. way this is real. <laughs> and dry British humor survived joke. the apocalypse. <laughs> Um, is that dry humor i think so i want to throw out that um are talking about futurity and like the 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 child and the you know the soldiers so focused on the future of like reproducing their society and the idea of uh you know oscillating between the nomadic war machine and the apparatus of capture i think selena's lines about plans fall into that where she's too far into the nomadic war machine have you got Got any plans, Jim? You want to find a cure and save the world or just fall in love and fuck? Uh, plans are pointless. Like, not only is she talking about the idea of a future at all, but the assumption is that any future will be oh. a plot- like a romantic love, right? Like the movies or like civilization. And the idea that she then learns, okay, we can have plans, but they don't have to be the prescribed plans of civilization is a nice ending for that. I was say, that it seems so crazy to me just because um, it's only been 28 days. Like, it hasn't been, like, a super, super long time, but she's just, like, <laughs> completely knowledgeable and convinced of how, like... Her whole family and every... everyone she knows is slaughtered. I, I know, but yeah. she's so, 28 like... 28 days is long in that shit. Yeah, that, that that's long in that context, but she's so adamant. It's just like, there is no future. It's just survival know. day by day. Dude, and that just I seems... was in Zakati Park for 28 days, and you should hear the shit I thought was happening at the world. Like... <laughs> I had to go to work today, and I thought the civilization should end. Like, <laughs> like, I had one Monday, and I was like, I'm out. Like, I got pulled over once. I was like, plans are fucking pointless. I, 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 no, I will get home from a bad point. day of work and be like, you know what? Have we considered that we don't need to live in an apartment? We don't. We could just go live in the woods. It's fine. <laughs> She's at the point where, where they have the recording of the military saying, we have a cure to infection or whatever. And she's just like, there is no cure. Society is already... she's fucking and, right. She isn't, though. Yeah, she is. No, she isn't. She's right that they're lying and that we shouldn't believe them and that it's bullshit. Yeah. She's right about that, but, but her contact, her point of view is that we already know that there is no cure to infection. Mm. Fair. But apparently there is a society outside of England that is coming in to save people. It took like one week of like COVID quarantine for people to think that it was like fake. <laughs> like literally like two weeks into that shit, my, my coworkers were sending me like Q maps. 
like, it was Selena's cute. My, like, completely That's... normal, rational co workers were telling me about how it was a pandemic. Uh... Um, okay, this is the anarcho kaiju podcast, right? No. That's what this we're called. That's the official podcast. name. Yeah, Charlie loves that name. <laughs> I don't consider myself an anarchist. I'll just okay, as, as uh, at least two of you are anarchists, I think. Um, one of you has an, a tattoo that makes me think that you're an anarchist. Um, would you go to the military <laughs> when they were like, come come here, we have the cure? Would you, would you do it? No. I don't think I would either. I like I had to sit there and have a think. I was like, I don't I think that I would be curious. I would be very yeah. curious. I would want to go see. I guess it up. depends. It depends. But I would yeah. be I would be wary. I would not be sure. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I do think you two are answering it pretty easily right now. Yeah, no, you're right. It would depend on how fucking hungry I am, where I'm at, what I think is yeah. happening, but uh fuck man. That that After- in the context the of watching the movie, going you know watching bad. the horsies, I would probably be like, I want to stay here and eat my irradiated apples and watch these horsies and take yeah. value. <laughs> like, I don't know if I need to yeah. go to the military. I have a but big bag of drugs. Can we use this to slide into the epilogue? Can we yes. do that? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, if you already went to listen to that that radio recording and what you found was what they found. <laughs> Then would you go crawling back? Like, what the fuck is this ending? I need help. I hate this ending so much. That is not a British soldier. And I think that, I mean, I agree with you. This ending sucks. I hate the ending. That sure. it, they go to the military. But I also, like, I think in their minds, those guys were not the normal British military command structure. They were, like, gone rogue. So the British-specific problem. The patriarchy is a British-specific. Yeah. They're, like, they're, like, the the bad apples of the bunch. You know, yeah, like, exactly. people like, oh, there's just a bad, they're just a bad apple. And they sucks. always forget that, like, one bad apple spoils a bunch. They're, so they're, like, that. they're what happens when things break down and we, like, stop caring about the command structure that we're supposed to. And, like, this guy has a plane and a radio. And also, crucially, is not British. He's somebody else. I mean, yeah. Okay. Good. They have figured out that they figured out that like other countries are still fine. So in their mind, like, I thought it was an American plane because I thought I heard an American no. accent. But you're like, it's like Russia. Nice. So they're just trying to get out of the infected zone. Yeah. Well, okay. I. I mean, that's uh, better than like maybe this next military base will be better or something. Um, sorry, sorry. What are you talking about? Accent. The, the, the guy on the radio on the plane, like, you can hear him talking. Like, there's, like, I, radio okay, plane sounds. He, he just wasn't speaking English, so... I couldn't... I mean, it, it all just sounds like... To me. But, um... Okay, so the, they they go, and their solution here is, like, making these giant, like, cloth things. And on the one hand, Selena seems to be the mastermind behind this. But on the other hand, the end of the movie has her sewing. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. living a cottage, perfect little, like, the, the a life that those soldiers would have fucking loved. Like, it's gross. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm happy for them, but in the context of where they've built up, it's gross. Yeah, it's so, weird. It occurs to me that this is not an anti-Civ movie, and it's purely an anti-British movie. And, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which I gotta give them props. We need more of that. That's fine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a serious way. How often think about an anti-civ thing from the perspective of like a libertarian kind of guy, like a reactionary sort of version of it, where their idea of anti-civ is like homesteading. Yeah, yeah, but that was still not that. Well, that's these people. But they're trying to escape the homestead. <laughs> they want to get out of there. Yeah, that's the whole thing. 
They, but they want to have the homestead outside of. I mean, it seems like they're, they're the ones who are doing it right. I don't know. Like, I just feel like no they, it feels think. very Walking Dead to me, where like the bad guys are the really patriarchal, hierarchical guys, but also the good guys are. Yes, yes, it's a it's a liberal ass ending. Yeah, they yeah. reconstitute the family. Jim yep. became dad without earning it by killing dad, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, and Hannah should be, should be dad. dad. Hannah should be dead. dead. Maybe actually, yeah, actually, maybe Hannah's dad. Jim's sick. Maybe Hannah's dead. Jim's the one who he's just laying in bed. But he gives. And he wakes up and goes, "Oh, not the curtains too." He gives the final order of the movie, though. He goes, "Go, we gotta go." Like he directs it, even though he's fucking asleep. Even though he was complaining about it. Yeah, was complaining about it that they took the curtains. Yeah, he worked hard for those curtains. No, he didn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding, because he's the breadwinner, because it's a patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't have bread. It's, it's said specifically <laughs> in the movie that they never bake any more bread. Uh, it's very frustrating, though. Like, I think it's a perfect movie until the last two minutes of it. Even before when he sees the plane and he's like, it's not all fucked, it's going to be okay, it undermines yes. all the themes. Um, all not the that I don't it. want them to escape, but that this movie seems hella anti-Civ, and then it's like, oh, we accidentally made an anti-Civ movie, and we came out of our delirium at the last minute. This is the stuff that makes me think that like there's like a grand conspiracy to keep anti-Civ ideas out <laughs> of. They've been too good before. Yeah, yeah, they're so good. And then it's like they got to like the the people that paid them for this movie, and they were like, you gotta change that ending. Like, it- what did they do at the end? Did they did they go like find the bunker where the government? The government, there's always a government. Of course there's a government. They go found they found that bunker and they killed the government. That's my Now my you're the cute movie watcher. I'm just <laughs> saying. I just want to throw out there. I did not read this movie as anti civ The filmmakers completely agree with me. And yet you guys are all adamant you, this movie you, is anti civ until the last ideas, five minutes. Charlie? You... I think everything is anti civ actually. They agree with you. Where'd you get them before? What? I'm just saying it's not a coincidence that they agree with you if you get it from them. Like, that's not I a coincidence. I, it's not like I watched... I'm not saying... I'm saying I watched it. I did sure. not see the movie as anti-civ. Then I watched it with commentary. Okay, and those fair, people fair, are fair. saying hell is no other people. Totally. I am laughing at the idea that there's a conspiracy to keep anti-civ ideas out of the mainstream <laughs> because so it would have to be a conspiracy. Like you would need like two people to make sure you squash all the, the anti-civ ideas. Hey, you can two people. Okay, people get arrested for conspiracy with like just themselves, just by all, themselves. All and the one guy got arrested for conspiring. Are trying to write anarcho-primitivist <laughs> shit, and they got it. The DOD's like, no, 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 get that Zerzan out of here. No more Derek Jensen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. There we Great. go. Yeah, good end. Okay. That feels like a great place to wrap this up. I agree. Are y'all down to get into the awards? Um, well, I, there's a couple things I want to go over. Please. Um, yes. So, uh, so what do you guys think about, so do you guys just think that, um, I guess you guys have seen the sequel, so you know more. Um, I'm not. But do you think the virus is quarantine on, on England or, um. Yeah. England is the virus. <laughs> Britishness is the virus. I've seen the first half of the sequel, which was so bad I could not finish it, so I Terrible. will not speak. 
I've wow. ne- I did not even know there was a sequel until you guys just. I, I, a lot of people like the sequel, so I'm I'm surprised to hear it's this. It's so bad. It's yeah. I. Can we go? Can I just go back in time an hour or two hours and forty two minutes to when I did not know there was a sequel? <laughs> no. Well, do you know there's three more sequels coming out? That's, That's yeah. three more. Which I okay. Yeah, I need to ask. Twenty-eight. They're calling it twenty-eight years later. The other one was twenty-eight weeks later. If we follow this, is the next one going to be twenty-eight centuries later? Twenty-eight <laughs> decades, decades, and then twenty-eight and centuries. Twenty-eight score, and then uh... <laughs> which is a score is a century. Yeah, but maybe no. they just switched to a different number. Wait, a score is twenty twenty days. I think it's this is my prediction. Twenty-eight years later, twenty-nine years later, thirty years later. That's my prediction. But anyway, uh, anybody else have thoughts on the infection if it's just in... This is, I think it doesn't make any sense to me that a plane full of these guys could get across the ocean. You know, like, that plane is crashing. Yeah, yeah, it makes makes sense to me that a plane wouldn't be able to get across the ocean. But the channel. Huh? You don't have to get across the ocean, you just have to get across the English Channel. That's true. I do believe that it would be in Paris, because you can take a train to Paris. Yeah. And it's yeah, not even a train well, that somebody's dri- – I'm pretty sure that they're just, like, automated subway trains. You can run through a subway. It seems perfectly logical. I, I would I would expect boats to get the trace for the the virus because even if the boats are completely infected, other countries would send their people to, like, investigate or whatever. And just I, w- a bunch I would of... definitely think that it would get also, transferred. you can catch it from a dead person. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. crow. Yeah. yeah. Also, Murder. how do we know that there aren't asymptomatic carriers? Hell yeah. Also, oh, a lot of people know the a... answer to this, and yeah. we're talking to them, and they're listening, and we sound silly. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I live in a world where there is no sequel to this movie, so Fair. you um, can either be in my world, or you can go away. I don't know what to tell you. I did read a couple of uh, reviews of the sequel, and they're complaining about how it doesn't follow the rules set up by the first one. That's the least uh, of its problems. This oh, movie, no. the first one, didn't follow its own themes and logic, so it's... Uh, I mean, so that, that's the thing. <laughs> that's what they're it, complaining about. It's not anti-Sim. The second one's not anti-Sim! Except for planes! They're not in the commentary. the one way! In the commentary, they both say that they didn't always follow the rules. Um, for example, the the idea that the uh, the world was so empty, you don't see dead bodies all over the place. They're like, yeah, yeah that doesn't make any sense, any logical sense. Uh, totally. Any sense of the story, but we just thought that it would have more of an impact if you saw an empty world then. They were right. <laughs> and, I heard yeah. in the in and, the second movie, the infected are like growing wheat, just so y'all know. <laughs> They're not following the rules at all. <laughs> That's that stupid joke. Uh, I have a couple other interesting points. Should I give them? Please. Okay. Um, The flashback when he was drinking the orange juice, that was shot on Super 8, which, um, yeah, I I mean, sorry, this is just interesting little details from the commentary, not not nothing thematic interesting. But I I, I did like that. Um, We haven't really talked about the look of the movie at all, uh, Mm. how it was shot. Um, I mean, not specifically in the way... um, in the commentary, they don't comment at all, like why they shot the way they did or why they shot on the cameras they did. But, um, anyways, yeah, the the that was shot in Super Eight, which I thought was an interesting. Because um, the rest was like high eight, right? The rest was it was like a five hundred dollar digital camera. Oh, okay. Got, which I and they don't talk about in the commentary at all why they did that. 
Like, I know people always say the budget, but it had, like, an $8 million budget, so you could get better cameras than that for mm. $8 million budget. I, so I, I know at the time when it was coming out, that was a big, like, part of the marketing or, like, the conversation was, like, yeah, whoa, they're doing like a Hollywood shit. movie on this on this camera. Like, I remember <laughs> knowing that, thinking about that, going to see it, thinking, whoa, that's an interesting choice. So, I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to be artsy. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I watch tons of shot on video movies, so I'm like, all right, this isn't like a big, this isn't totally. that much different for me. But I'm also like, why is a fucking highly respected director with an eight million? These are usually people with like a five hundred dollar budget that totally. shoot shit like this. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that they switched. Specifically, to get a different um, perspective for that uh, for that flashback shot, yeah, this was just super great. Um, the Frosty the Snowman song was the most expensive music in the movie. Uh, I don't even remember that. It, when, it's uh, when they first go to Frank and Hannah's apartment. Um, oh, oh okay. the Christmas lights! I actually think that scene with Frosty the Snowman is so incredible because the tension where they're going up the the stairs of the flat is just yes. like so overwhelming and then they get in and fucking frosty the snowman is playing <laughs> and and that big man behind the riot shield who has appropriated the tools of the police but is not a police officer takes off his mask and he's just like this really jolly nice guy and it, it's just like it is that is filmmaking to me uh, <laughs> I, I love the color difference from the blue to the warm like tungsten lighting in there and then i love that like i love like this is, there's so much in this movie of people holding on to the remnants of the civilization before like he wants the nice glasses as if it yeah. matters and then i love the shot of the the fish with barely any water left which is yeah. them trying to hold on to the little bit of civilization they have left right like the we're gonna still have fish but they're just in the little water we have left just like we're still gonna have a nice uh, uh welcoming thing just with the glass glasses this is all we have you know it's great you really put that. this fish out of their misery <laughs> probably um <laughs> another little detail that was completely unnatural and possibly uh, i mean it it was impossible to be intentional. But uh, in George Romero's book, The Living Dead, there's a character who has a connection to creme, creme de la menthe. Is that what it's called? Um, the mm. alcohol that he served all of them. Nice. What? Oh, interesting. Cool. Um, and this book wasn't written until later. So it's not like it was intentional at all. But as someone who's just oh. read this book in the past, like, uh, five months. like That's um, awesome. And for this movie that has a bunch of references to Romero's work, to see this kind of completely coincidental reference uh, was very interesting. Because there's a character in this who always thinks about her mom who drank creme de la menthe, and she, when she's under stress, she like kind of smells the creme de la menthe. So, uh, yeah, that that's a interesting yeah. little connection to make. Frank's death when, when he gets uh, the crows, the crow drops the blood in his eye. That was originally supposed to be infected dogs. But they didn't want to kill a dog. Well, um, no, uh, they decided that dogs are too a dogs are too expensive, and b the infection is only supposed to be within primates, so it would mm. it would break the rules of the movie for it to be a dog. Oh, now they care about the rules. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that scene made me think of a completely unrelated piece of mythology that I taught to my students, which is from mayan mythology where the uh 
the mother of the hero twins is infected by a head that is hung in a fruit tree. Or not infected, impregnated. Same thing. Um, by a head <laughs> Nailed it. that is hung, hung in a fruit tree. And she thinks it's a piece of fruit and reaches up and it spits on her. And then it gets her pregnant. And I just... That's how I was conceived, too. Yes. Um, yeah, so, anyway. so my girlfriend says so she got pregnant. <laughs> I don't know how I was conceived because I'm normal. Did she then give birth to a pair of demigods? Hero <laughs> twins? Well, I wouldn't call them that, but they do beat me in arm wrestling matches at the age of two. <laughs> do you live in the Mayan underworld? I have heard St. Louis called that. <laughs> <laughs> one last thing was um the dinner party scene that was influenced by um uh from apocalypse now uh one of the cut scenes oh, nice. i guess is in apocalypse uh now redux yeah it is where, um, where they're at the french yeah. settlement yes hell yeah that's my last little tidbit that makes sense hell yeah um okay who wants to start with a favorite shot the church yeah that's such a good shot yeah, them panning, them panning over the the pile of. You can't corpses. tell that they're bodies exactly. It's, mm, yeah. it's so weird. It looks like one of those like AI generated like nothing in this picture is really a familiar object, but at first glance you think it is a familiar object, like one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it also looks like Renaissance art to me. Yeah, like it looks like like uh, I I was thinking Franz Floris. I thought I saw the fall of rebellious angels that like kind of fit mm. like just those really crowded scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, look, it is very like like a Bruegel or something like a crowded yeah. scene of everybody like. Ugh. But beautiful. I really liked the uh, when they're they go up the stairway and he uses the riot shield and knocks the zombie and it falls between the stairs down all the mm. way and it's like crumpling folding. I don't know how they did that if it was just a dummy or what. Maybe you know, Charlie, but it was so fucking cool looking. Very effective. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Brutal. Know. It was just um, a guy. He just threw a guy down there. <laughs> yeah. Guy who said, like, I, I don't think we, I think we should be shooting on higher uh, budget cameras. And then at the bottom, he was like, that would have looked better on a higher budget camera while yeah. he's twitching to death. <laughs> I also like the shots of this uh, city abandoned when the sky was just yellow. That was very cool. Yeah. Early on. Uh, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a couple shots. Um, when they go to the campsite, the third shot, uh, it's a tracking shot that goes over, um, you see, it, like, goes past, like, the ruins, um, with a, with a, you know, just greenery in the background, it's very beautiful, and then at the, the, the right side of the tracking shot, it's, uh, um, you see them in the background set, settling down for their picnic, um, so that was a very gorgeous shot. Oh, yeah. Also, I, I just, a lot of the shots in the, um, climax in the rain... I just thought looked really, really great. Mm -hmm. um, totally, and the rain looked really weird. Yeah, I, I, it, it did. Um, because but of, in a good way. Because of the film, they tried to, uh, or because of the camera they used the movie, the, they filmed the movie with. Um, yeah, I think that had a big part in why, why the rain looked like the way it did. But I thought it was very effective, and um, in particular, there's one shot where it's like 
once again, a tracking shot. It's kind of like tracking across, and it tracks the, the to this truck, and it keeps going, and then it's you see Killian show up in the shot, and it just tracks past him with without any kind of slowing down or anything. Yeah, and then it it uh, focuses on one of the military men. The military man walks towards the camera, and then you see him turn around to look where Killian just was, and uh, Killian isn't there anymore. And this entire time, it's in this gorgeous rain, and um, yeah, that was a fantastic shot. Fuck yeah! I'm, I'm going to add the the shot where it pans down, and, and my man's got his thumbs in 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 that dude's eyes because that is an incredibly affecting shot i've seen it i've seen this movie probably 20 times and every time i see that i'm like jesus christ and uh yeah hell yeah well Uh, done one of the funny things in the commentary is um alex is just like what's that is what's that called pan panning tracking and like uh danny boyle has to keep like telling like oh that that's that's a a pan that's a that's a that's tilt, a tilt. <laughs> yeah yeah he has to keep correcting them and alex is just like i don't fucking know alex garland <laughs> directs movies what he had yeah <laughs> this is before he directed movies yeah i think <laughs> all right who's got a dumb cop of the week i hate that the the most homophobic racist misogynist of the misogynist guy of of the soldiers uh i forget what his fucking name is but he's yeah. he's the real cocksure one. I don't know. I really hate that motherfucker. Yeah. And uh Mitchell which, or something. But yeah, yeah. The guy with the, the short blondish hair. Yeah. 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 Fuck that guy. Fuck yeah. Who else has one? The 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 guy who takes them out into the field to shoot them and then like wants to stab Farrell to death instead of just shooting him and it just why? Just yeah. do it quickly. Like you let your weirdness is the reason totally. that all of this fell apart. I mean, the the bayonet is a is a a penis in that yeah, situation. Very, yeah, I, I was like, this is getting Freudian real quick. Yeah, that was your guy too, right? Yeah, same guy. Okay, cool. Yeah, that guy's fucking sucked. Charlie, you got one? Um, no, because that's gonna be my praxis. Uh, wait, no, my praxis already was the rage chimps. So I'm gonna go with the person who was my second choice for praxis. Feral. What? Feral is my favorite character. You take that back, sir. No, no. No, no. Let's hear, no, let's let's let hear it out. Let's hear let it out. Cook. cook. He's always got like something. Like I said, he is my second choice for Praxis after the rage chimps that destroy England. Um, but he's also dumb because. He puts himself out and kills himself for these people who don't give a shit about him, do nothing to try to save him, don't thank him or say, hey, what's what what happened to him? What ha-? No one says, like, oh, wait, what happened to Pharaoh, that guy that, like, put his life on the line to save us? Nobody gives a shit about him, and he gave his life to help them. He should have been like Selena in the beginning and just fucking run. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All, Can I change good, mine? Wait, actually, no, I want you to do yours then if it's not the same one that I have done. Oh, okay. Uh, um, my dumb cop are the two cops that made them take out the anti-civ stuff at the end of the movie. <laughs> uh all right, I'll go first for practice because I made y'all wait for me that whole time. I'm just gonna give it to the ALF. Uh, they had they had the right idea. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. 
Anybody else practice award, or is it we just go in collectively with Charlie's? I mean, well, that's fine. Or, um, I mean, that that taxi cab really took a beating and kept going, which was really fair. Okay, and then I'll go with Farrell for you know. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You know, <laughs> we needed somebody for being the most perfectly named character in the movie. No, that, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. That's beautiful that he's Farrell, Farrell Child. All right, let's rate this thing. We don't have a rating system, so just say whatever you want. Um, I'm going to give this uh, movie a fucking rage chimp and an infected person mating and creating a super nomadic war machine. That's that's what I'm giving it. I'm giving it, I'm giving it one can of Monster Energy and a uh, pharmacy full of all of your favorite drugs. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's what I would want in my apocalypse. I would be raiding a Walgreens for those things. My favorite drug is love. Is love in there? The power of friendship, also an important drug. All of them, Charlie. You heard her. She just sidestepped my question of love is in there. She already answered it. All your favorite drugs are in there. What's the question? Yeah, we have MDMA. It's one of my favorite. I want a clarification, because... Love is the drug by Roxy Music is the song that we're playing in this podcast. No, we aren't. I can't do that uh, anymore. I'm not okay. allowed. That's God. I hate. Look at this guy's just the apparatus of capture over here. Asks our opinion yeah. on whether we should play music. We give it, and now he's not allowed. Yeah, Jesus. we can't say anything bad about Mickey Mouse. Should be the cop of the week. No, I don't want to become a dumb cop, <laughs> oh. but like the music cop of the week. I mean, in my heart, he's the cop of the week every week, even when we don't record. <laughs> I mean, taking opinions, turning them into laws, pretty cop-like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he looks so sad. Barto, Barto or Charlie, what are you rating this? Neither of you are cops. Neither of you are cops. Uh, I'm going to give it... Oh, go on. I was going to say 1,000 tears from my eyes and 1,000 plateaus where the war machines come from. <laughs> well done. <laughs> We should play uh, 96 Tears by Q and the Mysterians in this episode. I'm going to play 96 Quite Bitter Beings by CKY. Not allowed. Sorry. Wow. I haven't thought about CKY in a long time. I am going to give this... You don't want to be too mean to you guys, but you also kind of deserve it for your rating of God's Monarch. Um, What does our opinion have to do with your rating? I did not give any ratings to Monarch. I have not seen that. Oh, yeah. oh is that the oh, one what? that I that that I was watching you get mad at on the laptop? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we when we did our episode, um, Barta said that he speaks for you, and so he can say what he thinks you would rate for. Rate it. Wow, <laughs> it's weird that like, he liked wow, this movie so much. Great. I think he was gonna like the sequel. Barta gets the practice <laughs> award for dealing with so much of our crap for. Three hours and six okay, minutes. Okay, I, I will give, I will give this movie two and a half um, arcade machines of uh, Primal Rage, <laughs> one of the all-time greatest fighting games. Um, uh, but then I'll also, I'll give it a couple bags of popcorn to make up for that. Um, for, make up for that low rating because I feel bad for you guys. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. I really needed that, buddy. Uh, you so I'm your friend. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk to you in the theater while you hand me that popcorn. Um, I will fucking stab you. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, 
Pinko, it was really fun having you on the show. Thank you so Thank much, you so much yeah, for joining fun. us. Thank you uh, for having me. Do you, do you want people to follow you anywhere? Do you want to tell people where they can follow you? I'm only on Blue Sky at Pinko Scare, but also like I know you can find me in a tiny cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere, um, not putting out oh big SOS God. hello things with sheets for the military to come find me. Absolutely not. Um, I'm just going to stay in the cabin and hide. So you cannot find okay. me. Except for this guy. Unabomber. Sweet. Well, we arrested the wrong Unabomber. That is what I thought we were going towards, but I steered clear. <laughs> Thinking, uh, I was trying to tie it back to Too the late to change movie. it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being here. It was really fun. We should do it again sometime. Um, any, anything else before I uh, close it out, folks? Okay, sweet. Well, everybody, thank you for... Thank you for listening. Uh, you can check us out. Patreon.com. No God's Pod. Dollar a month. Gets you everything we do. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a good rating. Some people say five stars is a good rating. I don't know. I think it is. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at No God's Pod. You can find us on Blue Sky at the same place you can find Pinko on Blue Sky at No God's Pod. And you can email us nogodspod at gmail.com. Five stars, baby. Give us five stars. Follow Pinko and us. There's a thing called Blue Sky. It's real. You can follow people there. Yeah. I probably have like a thousand invites if you want one. <laughs> <laughs>